millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new ebooks titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. 
www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. noblegoldinvestments.com This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. RPN is not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests, advertisers, or even its viewers. The information contained in this program is not to be confused with medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. But as always, we encourage you to do your own research. Enjoy the show. everyone you're listening to red pill 78 as always my name is zach Payne, the corruption detector and this is another edition of red pill news for saturday night live stream joining me in the studio tonight for the very first time Dr. Michael Schwartz, he is the author of Fauci's Fiction, the book on COVID, subtitled How the Government and Modern Medicine Missed the Boat on COVID-19 from Day One. We're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this issue. And I want to ask Dr. Schwartz if he really believes that they just missed the boat or was there an element of control here? Because it's hard to argue The deep state got a lot out of the COVID pandemic. And Dr. Anthony Fauci, he is basically at ground zero when it comes to all of it. So looking forward to hearing Dr. Schwartz's train of thought on this. If you guys wouldn't mind, please hit the like button uh, or hit the red pill if you're over there at Foxhole on pill.net. If you also wouldn't mind sharing it out there on your favorite social media platforms, that would be sincerely amazing. Without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, because we're going to be right back after this. 
So recently, I've told you guys about a breakthrough new anti-aging remedy that I've been using that keeps me energized all day long. I just take a teaspoonful of C60 Evo olive oil in the morning, and I notice better mental focus, flexibility, and physical endurance. Now, it's rare to feel improvements this quickly. I also end up sleeping deeper at night, so it's really helpful. Their peptide and ESS60 hair and lotion renewal formulas are exceptional because they really work. And C60 Evo's lab has been manufacturing this Nobel Prize winning miracle molecule for 32 years in their Houston, Texas Patriot-owned lab. ESS60 is the upgraded version of the Carbon 60 molecule. It's specifically made for both people and pets. It's a potent and effective way for people's lives to be improved all around the world. So maximize your health and enjoy noticeable results with C60 Evo organic edible oils, skin serums, and pet products. You can buy with confidence from C60 Evo, and you can use my personal code for a discount at checkout. Simply go to c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and then when you're there, use code redpill78 for an additional 10% off your entire order. Once again, that's c60evo.com forward slash redpill78, and when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right. Good evening and welcome back. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. And please join me in welcoming our guest for this evening, Dr. Michael Schwartz. Doc, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, Zach. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's going to be a great conversation. I'm really excited to uh, get into it. So Fauci's fiction, I think that uh, there isn't a single person here who would disagree with you on that title. Before we get into uh, the, the situation, how you got involved with this, why you wanted to write the book, tell us a little bit about yourself. What kind of a doctor are you and, uh, and, and where did you start out? So I'm a research doctor. I've got a pretty diverse background. I've been in business for about 30 years. A former police officer. I'm also a comedian. Been doing comedy stand-up for about 24 years. Dude, that's how I know you. (laughs) There's there's a lot of funny in the book, too, as well. But uh, I own three uh, medical clinics, and that's kind of how the the process started. We were actually the first company to do a COVID test in March of 2020. And once we started doing it, uh, we acquired over 19,000 patients, 44,000 tests, and lo and behold, I had to write a book. <laughs> so when all of this started out and the powers that be were raising awareness about this, you know, supposed superbug, you saw the videos coming out of China. Uh, it, it, but I mean, it's a COVID virus, right? I mean, that, that's that's kind of standard, isn't it? I mean, it's like along the lines of a, a cold. Uh, a lot of people were talking about Lysol kills COVID. So, I mean, what was the panic about? Well, I mean, you, n- nobody really knew in the beginning. I mean, we were just kind of like everybody else. We're taking sure. precautions because, yeah, yeah, it's a coronavirus. There's seven that we test for in our office. One's human uh, human coronavirus, which is the common cold. But you just don't know. You don't know the R not. You don't know. It, it, and folks, when when you're when something new is out, the novelty of something that's a little bit more scary because right. it's something brand new. Your body doesn't know how to react to it. So we were a little panicked in the beginning. Not panicked, but you know, to the point where we're just taking precautions. We're wearing PPE. I'm testing people outside on their porches. Uh, we didn't really want, you know, want to find out how deadly this thing could be, but we kind of knew that, you know, in a couple months, this is probably going to going to fade off into the sunset. So, how long did it take before you started to feel more relaxed about the situation? I, I mean, obviously, we, we never got that kind of image that we were receiving from China. I mean, nobody was, uh, uh, you know, spewing blood like it was that movie Outbreak, and nobody was dropping to the floor and, and having seizures and stuff. I mean, it just, it never arose to the level that many people were expecting. 
Yeah, it took a couple of weeks. You got it. So my staff, my family, uh, my, my fiance, she's working at a hospital. And we're hearing stories of doom and gloom from the hospital. We're putting people in body bags. This is pretty bad. Meanwhile, though, I'm out testing everybody at their homes. I mean, when you, whenever, I shouldn't say you, you're in Florida. When everybody else in New Jersey, where I'm from, was locked down, I mean, it was like, it, it, it was incredible. It was like a ghost town around here. I'm driving from people's homes uh, one by one, testing everybody. And, and you're getting all the excuses in the world, whether they were sick or not. Some people were exposed to somebody who was exposed. And you know how that story goes. But I'm finding that when I'm calling these people right off the bat, uh, you know, they might have a little fever. It breaks within two days, and we're, we're, we're kind of not sure what's going on. So I'm following up with them the next day saying, how you feeling? And a day or two later, they're going, this thing's not too bad. Like, what what do I do next? And I came up with the line for this old couple at one point. I said, hey, you know, take a cruise. They're cheap because they didn't know what to do. And that was the best thing I could come up with. We were learning as we went along. It was one grouping of patients to the next grouping of patients, kind of finding out what did we learn from the last grouping so that we can inform the next grouping and move on from so what can you tell us about the, the testing regimen itself? Because a lot of people were very concerned about testing uh, at the beginning because, I mean, there, there was a, a, a weird mannerism about it. Like you're sticking a, a, a Q-tip down people's throats and stuff. Right. So it's a nasopharyngeal swab. That's where the virus lives in a nasopharyngeal cavity. Uh, and, and the reason why we were first out the, the gate doing this is because we have done this for years. My, I would say my patients knew what COVID swabs were long before the rest of the public did, because if you had come to our office 10 years ago and you were sick with classic symptoms, we were going to swab you and find out what it was. That's the appropriate way to do testing. And it, it kind of goes back to... Uh, there's, there's, there's 43 million antibiotics written every year, and I, and I think 23 million are unnecessary because doctors are so quick to kind of give you something, and a patient too. The patient is in this, in this Google, you know, instant gratification world now. We go to the doctor and we expect something. That's not always appropriate because you're getting a lot of antibiotic resistance when you're prescribing these things for a virus. So we were first out the gate doing this because we had the swabs, we had been doing respiratory pathogens, and one of the labs that we work with was one of the first 30 in the nation to get FDA approval. So and if you, you don't think about the time now, nobody wants a swab, but back three years ago when this first broke, every single person wanted to get the Q-tip up they the nose. Begging uh, for no, it. What? <laughs> you know, they said the virus is so deadly, you know, you have to test to see if you have it. But uh, we, we had swabs. We didn't have enough swabs to keep up with the demand uh, initially. But, you know, we'd go through 10 a day, 20 a day. And then the labs kind of came up with something ingenious a few months in when there was a, a shortage in these things. And, and, and then all of a sudden we had thousands of them. So once you realized that this wasn't this uh, world ending pandemic that uh, they were telling us it was going to be, I mean, what was your reaction? I mean, not only like with the people that you were surrounded by, but also, uh, I mean, with the powers that be giving directive on how you were supposed to act and, and continuing to tell us that we had to stay you know, away from each other. We had to stay locked indoors. We couldn't go back to life as usual. Well, so, I mean, a lot of it's made up. I mean, I cite Dr. Lydia Baruba in my book. She did a study on just breathing in a room. She's from MIT. The spread that she saw on high-speed cameras was 27.2 feet. But here we are making up numbers, you know, six feet, wear a mask, doesn't have to be this, could be a cloth mask. Nobody ever came out with anything specific. That was the problem during this thing. I mean, the, the data was all over the place, but nobody was really talking to the practitioners on the ground. You know, you can get into, there's a lot to unpack here. We could talk about masks. I mean, masks are the second dumbest thing I've ever seen in my lifetime, but you had people where you know, double mask, triple mask, you know, face shields, which made you just laugh. If you understand virology, how viruses spread, air fluidity, particle size, and when you get into the real science of this stuff, 
it was really easy to explain to people in the beginning, but most people weren't having it. Uh, you could talk to government officials who would say, yeah, this seems a little weird, but I don't want to say anything about masks because it goes against the grain. Why? You know, we, we never required a mask in any of our offices ever. And I'd have patients coming in yelling at me saying, why aren't any of you guys wearing masks? So, well, you know, we like to teach smart science and teach you the, the reality of it. Uh, you know, it, it, our object is to make you feel better, but not, you know, not mentally just go along with the narrative for the sake of going along with the narrative. So it was really hard to explain this to people, to your question, early on, because they what, what they were hearing from the news media and from government officials was going directly against not only the science, but it was actually making them worse in some instances. And we could talk about that a little bit with masks. Oh, certainly. Yeah, I, I, I definitely want to go into that because, I mean, that was, uh, you know, we've talked about that on this program ad nauseum. I mean, obviously, you look at the package and it says that, you know, it's not going to do anything for you. It's not going to stop the transmission. It's not going to stop you from getting sick. And then, you know, even worse than that, you have people wearing uh, reusable cloth masks over and over and over again, and they're just getting them loaded up with bacteria and mold and all kinds of nasty stuff. I I mean, uh, what kind of stories do you have in regards to uh, people just going overboard? Well, I mean, first of all, you know, we talked about that respiratory pathogen panel we have. There's 31 different things on that respiratory pathogen panel. There's seven coronaviruses. There's a lot of bacterial pathogens. There's viral pathogens. And then there's a fungal pathogen. So you got to remember when people are wearing these things, and I always talk about it's really easy to explain. If, if you're wearing a surgical mask, which is rated for three microns, you're, you're, you're not duct taping it to your face. I guess that's the important point here, because if it was duct taped to your face, you'd be using the filter, but it's not. You're, you're just breathing through the path of least resistance, usually by the glasses or around the sides. If you're wearing a properly fitted N95 mask, that's going to give you some protection. It's rated for one micron. You got to remember, COVID is 0.1 micron. You can fit 500 million COVID particles on a pinhead. So if you can imagine somebody symptomatic in a room just breathing, air fluidity really comes into play here because any particle that's less than 0.25 microns floats around in the air. It doesn't settle by gravity. I always used to demonstrate that with my vape pen in the office. I'd put the mask on <laughs> and kind of show them you know, what it's looking like. But yeah. when you're walking through a sea of millions and billions of particles, I guess the important point here is it only takes one particle to infect you, one live particle. It's adenovirus, it's six, but if it's COVID or if it's influenza A, it's one particle. So wearing a mask is not only kind of stupid for, 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 for a virus, we don't wear them for viruses, they make it worse because you're breeding an environment of bacteria. So the majority of folks that we had come back sick usually had a co-infection, and most of the time it was staph aureus or a respiratory staph infection, and most likely from wearing those masks all day. God, that's uh, that's crazy. So you said that your clinics were was are, were they in the West Coast? So I have one in New Jersey. I have two clinics in New Jersey, technically a travel clinic and then a standalone in Seagirt. And then I had a clinic in Key West at the time. Oh, okay. uh, we okay. accumulated over 19,000 patients that did 44,000 tests. And those people f were from all over the world. Uh, if you look at the Key West office, they were coming in from Canada. It didn't matter. Uh, a lot of people were traveling within the U.S. at that time because they couldn't go internationally. So when you got this data, what were you actually doing with it? Were you, were you compiling it, doing your own studies, or were you handing it over to the U.S. government? Well, no, nobody in the government wanted to hear it. We would tell our local officials what we were seeing, some of our state officials what we were seeing. You know, I went online early on, maybe a couple weeks in, and I said, we should really adopt the Swedish model. Uh, and I got ridiculed right off the bat. You know, the left came out and said, oh, you're going to kill people. What are you doing? This is stupid. Uh, that if you look at the Swedish model and what they did, their curve was exactly ours. We predicted that early on. I guess that's kind of the point of the book. Like we knew most of what you know now in April and May of 2020, just wow. about two months in. 
So everybody, and it's funny because people will come up to me now and say, oh, hindsight's twenty twenty. I said, uh-uh. You know what's great about shows like yours? I did a long-form podcast interview in August of 2021 where 90% of the information that's in that book was on that podcast almost two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. We've been telling people this for many, many years. They just did not want to believe it. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's scary when you think about it. So the people that would come into your location, um, was it, uh, primarily the same people coming back and like continuing to get retested or are these just new people buying into the same old lie, but they just kept doing it later on? It was a combination. It was a, you know, in Key West, we had a lot of folks who were forced to get tested because they were traveling somewhere. So they needed that PCR test within 72 hours. In New Jersey, it was a lot of sick people. And then I have something in the country that nobody else has, something called horizontal data. We did a lot of nursing homes, assisted livings, police departments. I even did a few sewage plants that required their staff or their population to test weekly. So there's one police department in particular where I have data for over three years where we tested the exact same population. There's a lot to COVID to unpack. Like I said, when you when you hear about it, most people don't to this day understand the language of a pandemic, how a virus transmits. They don't understand timelines of a virus. That stuff's really important. And you right. think that maybe the government would have told everybody that in the first couple of weeks to, number one, calm everybody's fears, but to, you know, number two, make them smarter so that they weren't running around passing this thing around or, or panicking to the point where they were overloading the hospitals. Because that's a lot of times what we saw. We saw people go to the hospitals out of sheer panic. Well, and Mike, this is why I ask, you know, I mean, was this truly a failure of some of the smartest people in our government and in our medical community? Or was there an element of coordination to it? Because what you just said there, it makes a lot of sense. But instead, we were told to trust the science and the things we were told to trust were just totally nonsensical. And it didn't really seem like what they were doing was designed to make sure that everything ended up okay. It was almost as if they wanted to do the maximum amount of damage to, you know, Donald Trump and his administration, the United States of America, and, uh, you know, the population in the long run. Yeah, you know, and I wrote the book very nondescript. I wrote it very apolitical. It is yeah. it is straight data because I figured let everybody else decide. Because, you know, once you go down that narrative, if I start putting my opinion in there, of course, everybody's going to come at me. And if you saw what the left is saying already, just ridiculing this cover, not even yeah. not even reading a page in the book, just this, just assuming what they think is in that book. I, I stayed away from that. Although if you ask me personally, yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a fool not to see that now. Yeah. Uh, the folks on the left that don't want to admit it are the same people that still think there was Russia collusion in the 2016 election. <laughs> It's I, my mother's one of them. I mean, you know, it's 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 like watching those those the it's like getting the paper and reading the headline, and then when they bury the retraction on page twenty six six months later, nobody reads it, and yeah. they still want to believe the headline. The same people that were saying follow the science had no idea about about science. It's 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 just it's it's counterproductive, but it just blows your mind. Here you go. Here you got Dr. Anthony Fauci wearing masks outside. You know, they, they came out and said it right in the first place. They said these things aren't going to work. They make you touch your face more. They're not going to help with viruses. As soon as Donald Trump said he wasn't going to wear a mask, all of a sudden it, you saw the political narrative. Right. Um, that should tell you something right there. But no, we don't wear masks for virons. Six feet is just a made up number. Um, if we, if we really cared about the citizenry of this country and it wasn't, for an election or, or, you know, something to that nature, we would have given everybody 
the straight and skinny on this right from the start. And we didn't do that. And that's what we were trying to fight to tell everybody. But I would talk to some real smart people, Zach. I, I was ta- I tell a story in the book about a famous baseball player, and I won't mention his name. But I'm sitting there talking to him at camp one day, and I, I'm literally for an hour about COVID. He's picking my brain. And he's got this bewildered look on his face. He looked at me and he said, Mike, why are you the only guy saying this? I said, I'm not. We're getting censored. We're getting banned. And, and lo and behold, the Twitter revelations come out, you know, two years later. Yeah. It's too late for us at that point. Yeah. So uh, how about your your career in your social media? I mean, were you out there talking about this and getting banned yourself? Uh, Were you uh, ostracized within the medical community? No, I was. I don't have a medical degree. My my staff does. So I was a little bit different. You know, they can't they can't take away my medical license. They can't shut me down. I'm going to do what I'm going to do regardless. And, you know, I I don't I don't care. I'm not going to have a government official come into my office and tell me that I have to have masks on. They're going to find me. Find me. You know, I mean, good luck getting paid on that. You know, we're we're not going to do something stupid for the sake of doing something stupid. Um, So we were just very honest with our patients. I I wasn't really it it was hard to get banned because information just couldn't get out at the time. You know, it was we talk about shadow banning now. I'll post that book. And it's funny, I could post a picture of, of my drink and get 500 likes on it, but I post a picture of the book or a link to the Amazon uh, account, and all of a sudden it's getting shadow banned. Two people see it. Yep. I think the same shadow banning was happening back then, and we just didn't realize it. But there was definitely some collusion between the government and big tech to say we're going to censor anybody who's going against the narrative that we have. No, uh, you're absolutely right. I got banned from YouTube on October 15th, 2020, just two weeks before the election, basically. And then I got banned from Twitter uh, about a week after that. I'm back on Twitter. I don't think YouTube's ever going to let me back out again talking about stuff like this. (laughs) Did you have like 800 uh, videos Um, pulled down? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was it was just over 800 videos on YouTube. And, you know, what's funny is that now I've been off of YouTube for so long. I've got 1300 or so episodes that I've done on my rumble channel and all these other channels. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to imagine that my career post YouTube has now been longer than what it was before. But I mean, this is a very different time, you know, I mean, it, it, uh, it was, it was difficult to work within the confines of the, uh, the, the big brother system. I I'd like to say, you know, I mean, like what they wanted us to say, how they wanted us to act, the subjects they wanted us to discuss, you know, I did, did my best to work around that as I could, but in the end, it wasn't enough. <laughs> they had to get me, get rid of me before it all went down. But that's, that's good to know that they couldn't silence you. So with, uh, uh, now that, you know, time has passed and, uh, and you've got the book out, um, are you having people coming up to you and saying, you know, hey, you know, I remember you talking about this stuff before and now it seems to make sense? Some, uh, but most, you know, most kind of just it, it conveniently forget that we had those conversations. Sure. And it's like, well, you didn't know you were guessing. It's like, no, we were guessing. We had straight data. I mean, it comes down to this. We had we had 19,000 patients, 44,000 tests, like I said. We had over 4,000 positives. Here's how it broke down. 90, 85 to 90% of my positive patients were asymptomatic or mild. Yeah. The majority of the ones that did have a, uh, a, a some kind of a classical symptom, we'll call it, uh, had a co-infection. Usually it was staph. I mean, let's put it in perspective. I had a guy I write about in the book about two years ago now. He had COVID, staph, H flu, and RSV all at the same time. First of all, you would never know that unless you're doing a respiratory pathogen panel. If this guy went to Walgreens or something and thought COVID uh, was it, he would have thought it was the worst thing in the world. No, he was sick from the RSV and the H flu. You have to understand it in totality. See, COVID is not just negative or positive. This is what most people don't understand about it. COVID is either you're negative or you're positive with caveats. There's three caveats. 
One, you have to understand CT value. That's called a cycle threshold. It has to do with your viral load. This is very important. The majority of folks that came back asymptomatic have a very low viral load. It was, this is how it's measured. It's, it's, it's done logarithmically. I can do it with my hands. So it doesn't, it's, it, it's not linear. It doesn't go one, two, three, four, five. The sensitivity goes one, 10, a hundred, a thousand, 10,000, hundred thousand from the, from the start of that sensitivity all the way up to level 36. So looking for COVID at level one is like looking for COVID on my cell phone, but look Looking for COVID at level 36 is like looking for COVID in the solar system. Mm. At the solar system level, I only need nine copies of the virus to tell me it's in your system, it replicated, and it's bound. That's at the lab level. They can make a determinative positive call. So at that level, though, between 27 and 36, your viral load is so low, you're never going to have a symptom. These are all the people that thought they were getting a false positive or, or something like that. But I could repeat that over and over and over by having that patient come in the next day, a week later, and so on and so on. It would always be the exact same patient who's, who's positive. So you cannot fool a PCR test. Most people think that if you turn a PCR test all the way up, you can find anything. And that's true if you go to levels beyond what we do in the lab, but our lab only goes to 36. So first caveat is what is the viral load of the patient? The second caveat is do you have a co-infection? As I mentioned, majority of the sick ones had one. And the third caveat is do you have a comorbidity? But we have all that data on every single patient. And a lot of that horizontal data that we have for three years on hundreds and hundreds of patients, I can tell you over a three-year period at the same hundred cops, how often they were uh, they had COVID, what their viral load was, if they were sick, if they were symptomatic, what the antibody uh, response was from the uh, virus itself, what it was from the vaccine. And we can then get into obviously all the issues we're having from the vaccine. So there's a lot to unpack when it's understanding COVID. And most people still don't speak the same language. No, there, there's a, a lot of jargon with all of it. I want to talk about PCR tests specifically because you you made an interesting point, and I think that uh, that's something I've heard a lot, is that people just don't have any faith in the PCR test. And I think that comes from, um, I forgot his name, but it's uh, Kerry something or other, the guy who invented the PCR test. He was critical about uh, the usage of it and the way that it was being used. Um, but uh, yeah, can you just talk about that a little bit more? So what it does is it looks for a signal and it amplifies it. There's four different things I can get. I can get a positive, a negative, a QNS, which is quantity not sufficient. That's if a sample leaks in transit. Or I can get something called um, a, uh, an inconclusive. And an inconclusive is when you when you see a signal, but it's either waxing or waning. And these things, these tests take that signal and they amplify it millions and billions of times, just like we talked about, to isolate it and say it's there. You don't need you need you don't need a ton of virus um, to, to to alert a PCR test to say it's positive. But if it's if it's replicated in the in the person's system, that PCR test is very very accurate. If you were to take that PCR technology and continue to turn it all the way up, as 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 Carrie was talking about, yeah, you could pretty much find anything in the world. But when you operate at very specific levels and they're tested, I can tell you, I and I've done this a million times. I've talked to patients who act, act absolutely think that. I can get the same 100 cops and get 99 negatives and that one person's positive, and I can still find and mix up those samples and get that person to be positive another two days later where everybody else is still negative. In, in, in what you're talking about or what Carrie was talking about with um, the sensitivity of PCR tests, is in that case, all 100 of those cops would have been positive or would have been a randomized you know, uh, 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 signal. Um, that is not the case. I can take that same patient and find it within you know, the same patient group to 
prove that the technology works. Okay, okay. Uh, and another important thing you said, uh, the, the co-infections and the comorbidities. Uh, co-infections, that's not something that I have uh, considered very often. I mean, we, we talk about it. I mean, people are obviously sick with multiple things, but the only thing they focused on was the COVID-19. Uh, but the comorbidities come up quite a bit because, I mean, obviously when somebody dies, it's tragic and ends up being a big story, and we kind of talk about it a lot. Um, but uh, but you're absolutely right. I, I never... I don't have a single story that anybody's ever told me about going to their doctor and them being tested for anything other than COVID-19 or even being told that it was likely that they might have something else. And I would think that that would create a a unique set of circumstances just to continue to make that person sick if they're not receiving the proper treatment for whatever it is that they have. Exactly. And I mean, that's a problem. And most doctors don't do it. And you hear a, a multitude of reasons for them not doing this. And we try to talk that if you have any practitioners who are listening or anybody who works at a practitioner's office, we're happy to set you up with our labs that we work with. It's They're free to use. They're easy to use. You get your results the next day in a portal. That's an, another thing. We always got our results the next day. When you guys were all waiting for that seven-day test, the 10-day test, which then turned into the three-day PCR test, we always had our results in 24 hours, which was amazing. But that's because we work with boutique labs. We have a relationship with them that we've had for years. And the co-infection is something that we looked for before COVID came out. When you came into my office, like I said, there were 30 things on my respiratory pathogen panel. Now there are 31 to to include COVID. So if you came into my office, we weren't just doing a rapid strap or a rapid flu and then just assuming what you had. We wanted to isolate it. There's a bacterial pathogen on that that requires a very different antibiotic. And yeah, you can treat with a broad spectrum antibiotic. But again, if you're treating somebody that you think has a bacterial infection with an antibiotic, but they have a viral infection, all you're doing is causing that patient and the rest of the world antibiotic resistance. This is how we got, you know, this is how we go down a very slippery slope. Yeah. So testing people appropriate is, is, is very smart. Um, you know, I, I don't pat ourselves on the back, but it's something we do because we want to, we care about our patients and we want to give them proper treatment. And like I said, the majority of the ones who actually had classical symptoms had a co-infection. Most of the time it was staff. Put it in perspective. I had a woman, I'll tell you about the guy who had four things. I had another woman who came in, she had COVID and the flu at the same time. It was the only patient I ever saw that had flu A and COVID at the same time, but she was pretty sick. Um, it, 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 COVID is very different for everybody. The first thing, though, is isolating that viral load to understand why somebody may be asymptomatic versus you know having classical symptoms. That co-infection, though, makes a huge difference. If, if you got two things at the same time, I might need an antibiotic to treat that bacterial infection while you have COVID so that you're not on the floor uh, trying to beat this thing thinking that it's COVID. Most people in the hospital, uh, we can get into treatment later, but I think most people died with COVID, not necessarily from COVID. There's Mm -hmm. reasons why people were dying early on we can discuss. But uh, like I said, there's a lot to unpack and just understanding it in totality really opens your eyes when it has to do with the pandemic. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you know, one of those reasons certainly was uh, a financial component. I mean, there was a, a lot of money that went into the pandemic. Um, a lot of uh, people got very rich. Many hospital systems completely changed their uh, treatment protocols to soak up as much federal money as they possibly could. Uh, that's obviously, in my opinion, not the right way to treat anything. And uh, I, I believe that it led to a lot of deaths. So that's an interesting topic. A lot of hospitals actually lost money during the pandemic only because they weren't doing elective surgeries. Okay. So they had, they had to find it where they could at the time. But if you look at somehow, I know one of the local hospital systems we work with was, I think they were down $54 million during that period. 
So it wasn't a great time for hospitals. Um, there, there was something interesting, and it really has to do with the federal mandates. When, when hospitals were pushing the vaccine and the hospitals were pushing masks, they were threatening the hospitals to not pay them. And, and you got to remember that the largest payer in the United States is Medicare. Right. Uh, and when Medicare is threatening to not pay you by not going along with those federal mandates. The hospitals all fell in line to make sure that uh, they were doing what the federal government was telling them. Sure. No, I, 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 that, that's absolutely true. Okay, so what what's your opinion on the uh, on the mRNA vaccines? Uh, was that technology concerning to you at all when you heard that that's what they were going to be pushing? Yeah, and I'll tell you this. Let's let me let me clarify. So we never recommended. I'll say it like this: I, I did not not recommend a vaccine because I thought there may be issues with the vaccine. We did not recommend vaccines because simply they didn't work. Yeah. Now, remember, I'm calling and I call personally every single positive patient that we had for two straight years. So, you know, when you were when you had it positive, Zach, I'd call you get me on the phone sometimes at midnight saying, hey, you got to you got your test back, you're positive. And I'd start reporting how you feeling, uh, what kind of symptoms do you have? And most of the time it was nothing. And a lot of times, like I said, the ones who were, who were positive had a co-infection. Um, however, I didn't lose any of my 4000 patients in that time period. OK, so that's one consideration. I wasn't recommending a vaccine because why would I give you something experimental? That's never been tried out before for something that's 99.9% survivable without treatment where I haven't lost a single patient. Why would I give you something experimental that I hypothesized with my immunologist early on that was not going to have the effective rate that the um, vaccine companies were touting? The 95%, 97%. You remember those numbers when they were mm-hmm. telling you going to be 95 For how long? You know, they never said it's going to be 95% effective for four months because that's the antibody uh, length that we saw in patients. By the way, natural immunity, the antibodies we saw last from natural immunity averaged about 120 days. From the vaccine, exactly the same, 120 days. So why would I give you it, it, something that gives you the effect of a flu shot for something that is completely survivable um, that is untested technology? That was the answer as to why we didn't recommend them. Of course, after we started seeing patients come back positive with them, and then we started recording some of the issues from the mRNA vaccines, that's when our eyes you know, really got wide and our ears opened up and said, okay, now we need to start recording this and we need to start documenting what's going on. So let's talk about the data, the uh, the health conditions in people who ended up taking the vaccine. Um, do you, Did you see a cumulative effect in terms of uh, deleterious actions taking place in somebody's body? Like if they take one, two, three, four, five, six COVID shots, were they getting sicker and sicker and sicker? Uh, or was it just kind of layering on top of each other and not getting uh, too bad. All right, so there's a little bit here to unpack as well. I, I went to my uh, immunologist before the vaccines came out and I hypothesized this to him. I said, look, if someone's never had COVID and they get a COVID shot and they get, a, they get an inflammatory reaction from this COVID shot, then they go and get another one and another one. Then all of a sudden they catch COVID. Could they theoretically be sicker? And he stopped me and he said, from the cytokine storm. And I said, yes. <laughs> That's when he told me on the phone I should be an immunologist. And I said, no, thanks. That's why I have you. But that's kind of what we see now. You know, what we see is, and there's a reason for it, the cytokines travel around your system for at least two weeks, and the ACE2 receptors pick that up. What we notice from people who have been vaccinated is that it inflames areas of weakness. 
So if you kind of look at the anomalies we have now, they're heart issues. You've heard, of, of course, of the myocarditis, the pericarditis. Oh, yeah. You have people with joint issues. I read about one girl in the book, 20 years old. She had a shot, and uh, within a week, all of a sudden, her joints started to, to swell up to the pack. She couldn't even bend her hands. She got the second shot. It got worse. And then a couple you know, months later, she caught COVID, which is why she got the shot in the first place. At least yep. her employer told her. Uh, and then it got worse. Now this girl's having some severe joint issues, gained a lot of weight, doesn't know where it's coming from. We find out later her mother's got a rare disease disease that she didn't get into her 40s this kid all of a sudden is starting to exhibit symptoms of it now uh, so we find that these shots are bringing something out in other words if somebody is going to have a heart issue at 70 all of a sudden now it's coming out at 40 mm-hmm. somebody's going to have joint issues at 40 all of a sudden it's exhibiting itself at 20 that's what we're finding with the shot there's a lot of anomalies that we're seeing and they continue most of the stuff we find those act is not immediate it's it's on what we call an incidental finding that's when you go to the doctor for something else unrelated you need a surgical clearance or you're having pain somewhere you get a scan and all of a sudden they find something else uh where this come from you know you kind of look at all these anomalies and you go these things don't make sense i was just talking to dr jancy lindsay about uh she's a microbiologist about the stillborn uh chart for 30 years, I think it was, any any stillborn uh, births related to vaccines, the number was consistent. It was like 25 or less every year. Yep. And also in 2021, it was 3,600. 2022, it was 1,600. These things are right in front of our faces, but nobody wants to talk about it. There's a lot of cognitive distortion. And I talk about even the doctors, the ones who would have to report these things. These are the same folks, the guys and gals who are recommending these shots in the first place. You think they're going to report it? You think they're, and by the way, the, the process, and I'm learning because I'm writing a second book now, the process to report these things to theirs is cumbersome. It takes time. And when I hear doctors explain to me that they have seven minutes with a patient, they don't want to stop for an hour to right. report adverse reaction to a vaccine. So what you see in bears is a microcosm of what's out there right now. No, absolutely. I, I think I heard uh, something like 10% of all adverse cases actually end up getting reported. So yeah, it's, it's quite a bit more than that. I'd say I'd say it's much less than 10 percent um, because it, it, when you get into the bear system wow. and I write a bit about, about it in this book, uh, Deborah Conrad has been a big help. She got fired. She was uh, working up in New York as a PA and started reporting these things from her hospital when the hospital told her not to do it anymore. And the doctors who would give them to her because they didn't have time to report them, uh, the hospital flat out told her, you can't report other doctors' cases. So it just got to the point where none of it was getting reported. So I would I would garner to say that it's a lot, lot less than 10%. Wow, that's, that, that's pretty scary because uh, I've seen so many adverse accounts. Uh, there's a, a number of uh, uh, groups that I follow, people who have been adversely affected, just massive injuries. I've interviewed several of them here on the show before. Um, you know, personally, my aunt and uncle, they both got the first vaccine. I think they got the Pfizer vaccine. And, um, you know, I had no idea they weren't asking me for advice. And they're in their 70s. You know, they both developed arthritis, uh, severe arthritis in like every single joint in their body. And they both got the shot on the same day, and then they both got the uh, the same adverse effect on the exact same day. They, you know, at that point, it was enough. They knew that there was not going to be a another shot in their future. But um, I interviewed a woman um, about two years ago now. Uh, her name is Mandy Johnson. She was uh, a mother of three in her mid twenties. She developed MS within like forty eight hours of taking the first Pfizer dose. 
And she is permanently disabled to this day. I mean, like, she has not gotten better. She's only gotten worse. And her life is a living hell right now. What would you say is the uh, the, the most common adverse side effect that you've seen in your practice? Well, I mean, for us, mostly it was joint and heart. But we didn't do a lot of vaccines. We did them down in, in uh, Key West. We didn't ever offered them in New Jersey. Um, you know, you would, you would start to see it. You would start to hear stories. Now, now it's a little bit different because now, now that we're out of that mass vaccination mode, it's, it's a year, it's two years down the line. And right now what we're seeing is, is an abundance of rare cancers. I was just going to say that turbo cancers. It's, it's, it's rare cancers. It's young people. It's the reoccurrences of cancers that were in remission. All of a sudden they're back and they're back with a vengeance. And that's kind of the word that I hear from all the practitioners. It's funny when, when I hear the same thing over and over and over and they say it's back with a vengeance and you look around, and you're like, wow, I just heard that from the last, you know, it's, it's the sharing of data. You start to hear stories. You start to share trends, see trends and put them all together. And you can draw a line and kind of see where it's going. Yeah. And that's how we derive the data from testing. Testing, mass testing taught us a lot. I, there's a lot of people on our side of the aisle who said to me, I never wanted to get a test. I would never do that. And I said, well, you know, by doing that, and testing all these people and finding all these asymptomatics gave us the power to say this thing's really not that bad. We shouldn't have lockdowns. We shouldn't have mail-in ballots and all that stuff. But, you know, you, you have to kind of go through the motions in order to get there. Like I said, the point of the book was we knew all this in the beginning. I don't want to get to the point where I'm writing the second book and all of a sudden it's like, well, we know all that already. I don't think we've scratched the surface. Most of the public doesn't even know, you know, 10% of what's in my book. Um, I, I don't want to get to the point where we're starting because the second book is on the vaccines and on these issues. And I'm, I'm consulting with these other practitioners and microbiologists to find out what's in these vaccines. What the microbiologist that I'm working with, Jancy Lindsay, she's actually discovered something in the vaccines called the SV40 virus. It's oh, yeah. Sim- Mon- monkey virus. Yeah. yeah, monkey virus. Yep. That's not supposed to be there. And she's done testing on the actual vaccines and finds that it's in there. And the SV40 vaccine that is that is or the virus that is dormant in monkeys causes cancer in humans and that might have been the where, where cancer kind of exploded after we mass vaccinated everybody for polio mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's what you saw now all of a sudden you're starting to see that from the mass vaccinations of covid it's very very scary oh it's uh, highly alarming and yes i, I mean I, I i was aware years ago of uh, the uh, the i believe it was uh, a merck scientist they were having a conversation it was recorded surreptitiously and then they put it out uh, on the internet but talking about sv40 being in the polio vaccines and of course there was an explosion of cancers at that time ever since that time you know cancer has just kind of been uh you know a, a fact of life everybody everybody figures you know at some point maybe i'm going to get cancer certainly it seems like people get it a lot more than they used to you know i don't know 100 years ago or so but that's always uh, kind of it's been confusing as to whether or not that's a symptom of better care like to, are people going to the doctor more often are there more people so there's more anecdotal stories is it because of the speed of communication uh you get cancer you call your family you tell everybody the word spreads or is it because there is something in the environment that people receive a number of times in their life that might have monkey virus in it that's going to give you cancer? I mean, it's shocking that that is even happening. Yeah. You know, one of the things you just brought up was people getting better care. One of the things we saw as a, as a direct result of COVID is people don't get better care only because most people during COVID started going to urgent care. They were yep. going some quick. Don't go to primary care. The abundance of 
of, of amputations from uh, diabetics that we see now because they just don't get the proper care. I think that you brought up a great point in saying that because I think that you're not going to discover a lot of what we're talking about right here for years. When you mm-hmm. start to see the cancer explosions years from now, uh, these folks that would normally find it aren't even going to their doctors right now. They're yeah. not getting the proper care. So uh, I'm a little worried for the public as a whole because we've gotten into some very bad habits. No, I, I absolutely agree. <clears throat> so and 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 that's a great point, too. I, I don't know that we're ever really going to know, like the full toll of what this has done to society. You know, I'm, I mean, for somebody like me and probably for somebody like you, 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 you see mainstream news accounts of a 16 year old having a heart attack, dropping dead on the football field. That's not freaking normal. You're never going to be able to convince me that that is like, oh, you know, yeah, that, that, yeah, that happens all the time. I never knew a single kid in high school who died from a heart attack. I never knew a single kid who developed cancer, rare brain cancer, uh, and suddenly died after taking a vaccine or anything like that. And it just seems like there are so many people dropping dead all around us. You look at Hollywood. uh, The last couple of years, there have just been so many people who have had their lights snuffed out. And uh, and so many people out there are just like, oh, well, you know, it's totally normal. But, I mean— I think what I'm trying to get at here is you mentioned the difficulty in reporting this stuff via VAERS. Uh, is there an opportunity for a, I don't know, a civilian-based reporting system so that uh, people can have an easier time getting this information out and then maybe you could compile the data? It, it, it gets convoluted, right? I mean, when you report the COVID numbers, it's pretty simple. And I explain this to people all the time. And, and I, I can it remind me to explain to you how the COVID numbers disappeared. It's really easy to explain. Okay. But when when my lab, uh, when, when, a, when a lab somewhere across the country gets a PCR test, they by law have to report it to the state. So the numbers that you see are fairly accurate from PCR testing. When we get into how the numbers disappeared, it has a lot to do with that. But in the beginning, when you saw those COVID numbers go up, that's because they have to be reported by law. Theirs tells you you have to report by law if there's an adverse event within a certain time frame and they give you some criteria for what types of adverse events to look for. But again, the, 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 the majority of the people who would be doing the reporting have either A, never heard of theirs, never, B, never logged onto the system. It's not a quick, quick little upload. It's an hour-long process. They have to know what lot number it was, where you got vaccinated. So if they got vaccinated at CVS, mm-hmm. and then they go to a cardiologist a month later, and the cardiologist suspects that it could be related to the vaccine. They don't quite know, and then they got to call CBS to get the lot number, get the date you were vaccinated. It's it's so convoluted that nobody wants to waste their time on it. That's why I said it's way less than ten percent wow. that's in the VAERS system. So it's not a, it's not a, it's it's not an easy thing. If if somebody got uh, sick within a day of the vaccine, then yeah, okay, they might run back to CBS and maybe CBS is reporting. Who knows? But I mean, I, I'd be curious to ask the CBSs of the world how many adverse events they've actually reported based on how many people actually came in. I would highly doubt that anybody at CVS was. Did you happen to hear that phone call like a a father whose wife had taken their like eight year old son to CVS, got him the vaccine. He developed myocarditis rather quickly. uh, And it was only at that point that the wife said, oh, you know, maybe it's got something to do with the covid shot he got at the pharmacy the other day. And so he called CVS and he was uh, quizzing the, the woman in the pharmacy. You know, why didn't you explain to my wife, you know, what the 
possible side effects were. I mean, she she said you didn't give her any warnings or anything at all. And the woman flatly said, you know, well, you know, we've we've been told not to tell people so they don't panic. You know, I mean, just like, okay, so when he was like, well, what the F? You know, I mean, how could you even think about that? You know, I mean, like you have to give people informed consent. So I if they're if they're not willing to take the time to explain to people what the possible dangers are, I so doubt they're going to be going in after the fact and and spending an hour to uh, to make a report. It's just sad. No. no, and going back to your original question when you when we first started the show, the political narrative, they spent so much time worried about vaccine hesitancy. Oh yeah, rather than you know adverse reactions because we were the guinea pigs. Yeah, uh, this, this wasn't rolled out before us. To, there were you know test study. No, this we were the test the testing population. Mm-hmm. We were the guinea pigs here. Um, people ask me all the time. They said, "Were you vaccinated?" I said, "No," and they said, "Why not?" I said, "Because I'm not an idiot." Yeah, and I, I look, sometimes I, I I say that and I get these glazed over looks from people because they've had multiple vaccines. And they're like, well, how did you know? I said, well, it's just, I, you know, this is what I do for a living. And and we tried. We warned everybody. You know, everything that's in here I wrote because I had this conversation with thousands and thousands of patients. And when I realized that it wasn't kind of taken hold, uh, and I said, you know, I had about 100 of them say, you got it. You really need to write a book. And I said, because I wanted to stop telling every single patient all of the data that we were seeing on COVID. Here's the book. Go figure it out for yourself at this point. Um, it, it's shocking to me that we're three years into a global pandemic where everybody was going to die, that we got forced to take vaccines, get locked down, suicide rates going up. And still to this day, nobody understands CT value like we talked about, timelines of I ask people today, I still get mad when, when I call a patient and I say you're positive and they say to me, do I have to quarantine? I get very upset <laughs> and I say, no, you have to isolate. There's a difference between quarantine. And, but I say that it sounds you know like semantics, but at the end of the day, if we're not all speaking the same language, how are we ever going to get out from under this? And the fact that the government, that the, that the people in this country, the world, let, let themselves be hacked. Well, you know, I mean, look, you know, when, when you're ta- you and I were talking off air about the OJ case before we, we got on here. You got to have, you know, it's, 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 it's simple, right? You don't have to have concrete evidence. You have one juror saying, uh, uh, and, and the whole thing falls apart mm. with this. Every single person in this country, for the most part, at least critical mass fell in line to let this happen. They did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you guys, we're going to be opening up the phones here in about 15 minutes. Let me just say thank you to Def Jeff over on Rumble, who said, uh, my 51-year-old wife got the jab and now has so many medical issues. Just had surgery two days ago. Please ask about chlorine dioxide as a preventative solution. So this is a great time for me to bring up the sponsor of the second half of the program. That would be my friends over at onenessdrops.com, uh, where you can get chlorine dioxide water purification kits. Uh, the code to use is RP78. You guys are going to save 15% off every order, every single time uh, that you order. And chlorine dioxide is great for a lot of things. Now, uh, Mike, are you familiar with chlorine dioxide? And uh, and if not, I would love to tell you about it because a lot of people don't know this. It is colloquially known as the universal antidote. And NASA wrote a research paper called the Universal Antidote, all about chlorine dioxide, and they send it with the astronauts on every space mission mission because when people are taking it, it uh, stops you from getting sick in space. 
Interesting. Fill yeah. me in. <laughs> okay. So, so I mean, it's it's very simple. Chlorine dioxide. It's uh, it's two parts, and uh, you mix it together, and it will kill all kinds of pathogens and bugs and stuff. It, it makes totally nasty, non-potable water safe to drink. Uh, you, I, I take it when I go camping and stuff. It's also used in municipal water um, uh, filtration systems because it's so good at killing all of the nasty bugs that would otherwise make you sick. But it is vilified uh, by oftentimes the medical community and uh, the, the 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 mainstream media. Um, quite often, they have written about it <clears throat> and called it a bleach-like solution. Even though, if you know anything about chemistry, you'll know that chlorine dioxide is very different from the chemical compound that is bleach. Uh, and but they that they say that, so then people will think, okay, you know, R- Zach Payne is telling me to drink bleach. No, I'm not telling anybody to drink bleach. That would be freaking retarded. You don't want to drink bleach. But you could do a little bit of research, and you can look into chlorine dioxide. You can go on Amazon. You can get chlorine dioxide tablets. They sell them for you to go camping and drop it into nasty river water that you're just pulling out of the creek. Uh, Or you can probably call your water purification plant and find out that they're already adding chlorine dioxide in a diluted form into your water. Um, But anyways, it's uh, it's something that I I recommend everybody should uh, have a a look at, certainly have on hand, because, you know, worst case scenario, if uh, the ish hits the fan and you don't have the ability to get clean, safe drinking water from a municipal source, then you could use this to make clean, safe drinking water from any source. That's probably exactly what I have for when I go camping, tabs that I drop in the water. That is exactly what it is. Yes, yes. (laughs) I don't know enough about it as far as when you're talking about the vaccine. I I, I can tell you that what we see from the vaccine is those cytokines rush around your system, like I said, for at least two weeks. Those ACE2 receptors pick it up, and they inflame areas of weakness. Um, You know, Kelly, we met earlier off off air, uh, Kelly's got a, a little bit of an ear thing. Uh, she had it when she had COVID the first time. She lost her hearing for about six months. And um, and I'm just telling this anecdotal story because it might it might help somebody in your audience. But, you know, maybe about a year and a half later, all of a sudden she's telling me, oh, my ears bothering me today. And I didn't think anything of it. So about three days later, she goes, wow, my ear is still really bothering me. I looked at her and I said, I wonder if you have COVID again. She goes, no, come on. Because, you know, everybody thinks sick, classical symptoms. Yeah. So I come in the office, let me test you. I swabbed her, guess what? It was COVID. I called her the next day. I said, can't believe it. You you find these areas of weakness in people that these things inflame, whether it's COVID or the shot. Um, but I tell folks that, you know, obviously you don't need this stupid shot for, for obviously it's not going to prevent you from getting it. That was blatant malpractice on the part of the, either the president or his staff telling people that it's not going to prevent you from getting it. And it is a, it is really irresponsible for the government to tell you that you're going to get less sick when you get the shot. Because like I said before, if you keep getting these things and you catch COVID, you could actually be worse. And in a position where you have an area of instability uh, so far inflamed that it could cause major, major issues. Uh, and that's where we get into the myocarditis and the large hearts and all that fun stuff. So th- that's interesting that uh, your girlfriend had that experience because I got sick um, in August of 2021. I went to speak at a conference in Missouri and a ton of us got sick, but I was like deathly ill. It was like sicker than I'd ever been. I never got tested because I just, I couldn't even leave the house. I basically was on the couch for like 10 days. Couldn't eat, uh, really just completely knocked out, no energy. I lost my sense of taste and smell, and I started developing tinnitus. And that tinnitus has persisted, like, long after I got better. And uh, and my sense of taste and smell, it was gone for probably a year. Um, so I, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts are on the 
stranger symptoms that people develop as a result of this. Because as we were saying off air, you know, I mean, coronavirus, I mean, it's it's in uh, nature all the time. But what we're talking about here, in my opinion, and I think it's been proven that it's not something natural. So what do you think about this? So you got to understand what a virus is in the first place, right? A virus is not a living thing. It's it's not technically classified as a parasite, but they're like parasites and need a host to survive. So what that virus is doing when it enters your system, it's making a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. If you were going to get, continue to do that over and over and over, eventually it would become so unrecognizable that the body wouldn't recognize it. You never hear about it because it doesn't learn how to bind. But eventually what it does is it develops this weird shape on the outside. That's the spike protein changing. Inside the capsium of that virus, inside the envelope, there's only about 27 proteins, okay? So when you get COVID naturally, you're building what's called B and T lymphocytes to those proteins. So every time you get it, you're not going to be as sick because you have a lot of memory. The B, your B cells are your memory cells, your T cells are your helper cells. However, when that spike protein changes and it fools your body, the next time you get it, you're getting sick mainly from the spike protein, which is why you see different symptomology every time you hear about a new strain. COVID is still COVID. The inside of that capsium, those 27 proteins are exactly the same. So everybody says, you know, I have patients all the time where I'll call and say, you have COVID and they say, which one? Do I know? And that testing is not done at the lab level. It's not done at the practitioner level. That's a CDC thing, and it doesn't matter. It's like getting the flu. You still have the flu. You're not going to tell you if you have the 2017 flu or the 2023 flu. Right. So COVID is COVID, but those spike proteins cause different symptomology. There is some weird stuff that we're seeing, though. You're right, Zach. I mean, since this thing broke, you can you can look at this thing and say, wow, there are some strange, strange symptoms. I, I talk about a lot on interviews um, how how when you look at and it's, 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 it's a little bit in the weeds, but when you look at the amount of reinfections we had in the first 18 and 19 months, which by the way was zero, mm-hmm. you can figure out that this came from one single source. So that, that, that entire zoonotic thing that they were pushing in the beginning was total BS because you saw zero reinfections in the first 18 months. But then after that, you start people getting it. Uh, within two months of, of, of another infection, which told you that this thing took time to mutate, not that much time, but enough time that it came from one single source. Okay. All right. And uh, also, Freight Awakening over on Rumble says, uh, great stuff, Dr. Schwartz. Thank you for your work. <clears throat> Do you think Fauci will ever be held accountable, not just for the COVID BS, but what he did during the AIDS days, perhaps a possible Nuremberg 2.0? I hope he's held accountable at some point. You know, they, the government put a lot of people through a lot of hell, uh, and there was a lot of complicity, complicity with this, whether, like I said before, the lockdowns, kids in masks, people out of school, the suicide rates going up, businesses closing. I don't understand to this day why everybody has so much COVID fatigue that we don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. We should be trying to hold these folks accountable, but we should be having a conversation about this. Now that we have this information, like I said, we've had a lot of ours for years, and I apologize for not getting it to you sooner, but no one would listen. Uh, we should have a frank discussion about what we did to the country, nonetheless, the world uh, in those in those three years during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I think that uh, an, another group that needs to be held accountable specifically would be the, the vaccine manufacturers. I saw a study or excuse me, I saw a report today that Pfizer uh, covered up deaths during the 
limited trials that they did uh, in order to get the emergency use authorization. I don't know how much how, how many deaths actually occurred or, you know, how widespread it was. But I mean, obviously, they told the world that it was safe and effective. <laughs> they said, you know, hey, you're, you're not going to get sick when you take the vaccine. And then obviously that message changed as it became more and more obvious that it wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. But, you know, the vaccine manufacturers are kind of in a, in a unique space, aren't they, Mike? Because uh, they they basically have zero liability. I don't think there's any other product out there that the uh, the government will fully support, oftentimes fund, and then purchase all of it. And uh, in, in this instance, I mean, obviously, they forced it on so many people. It's a great stock buy if you know that that's the uh, lineup for it, right? <laughs> well, isn't that what Fauci did? Doesn't he have uh, – he's got some ownership stake in Moderna or something like that? I, I, know, I know his net worth came out a couple weeks ago. It was something like $11 million. And I, I know he was a top paid guy. I don't know what his wife does, but, I mean, come on. He's uh, just a humble, humble civil official. servant. <laughs> right. It, well, it's all these civil servants, right? Yeah. It's every it's every member of Congress who comes out. They're worth $90 million. What is Nancy Pelosi worth at this point? mRNA yeah. stock, by the way, I didn't even realize during the middle of the pandemic, I looked it up just to check out the numbers. I didn't realize that the uh, Moderna stock symbol was mRNA until I looked it up <laughs> during the pandemic. What are the chances? <laughs> Right. I'm like, well, there's really no coincidences in the world. But I mean, somebody was signaling something to somebody. And uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. What's it sealed up for 75 years and we won't know the truth until we're all dead. Nobody's going to care. I I just have have a problem that the fact that we don't care now, like I said, in 75 years, no one's going to really give a crap. But right now, the folks that lost their businesses that were affected by this thing on a daily basis. How have we forgotten that this thing happened literally yesterday? Um, It's incredible to me that no one is pushing this conversation that we should be talking about. Did Fauci know? What did he know? And when did he know it? Yes. Um, Amen. If if I knew this three years ago, they just weren't telling you this. And that is just as bad as lying to you. Omitting information is the exact same as lying. Absolutely. I 100 percent agree. Uh, Fredo also says uh, Zach also developed a propensity to kill and maim frogs after getting COVID. Is this a little known side effect? So funny story. Everybody else here knows the story. But um, OK, so down here in Florida, we've got just tons of frogs, all kinds of different uh, species of tree frog. And uh, I, I, I love animals and nature. And so I'm always uh, that was like the, the coolest part for me, like the inner inner child in me, you know, coming to Florida and there are all these lizards growing and running around the backyard and all these uh, these frogs and stuff. So anyways, we've got a shower outdoors and we're in the middle of remodeling the master bathroom. So Lisa and I are always showering outside and uh, there's a couple of frogs that tend to always hang out in the shower and there's one in particular and he's a three-legged frog <clears throat> and he's three-legged because I accidentally clipped him with the weed whacker like uh, two months ago or something like that. I and I he had the vaccine. I could be, maybe he got he got one of the clot shots and they took his leg. But so I was I just felt horrible. Like I thought like, oh, my God, there's no way he's going to survive. Like, you know, he's he's got one front leg, two back legs. I just I figured that was it. He was he was done for. But he like moved into the shower and he's just been there like every couple of days. He'll go out and hunt, you know, because they only need to eat two or three times a week. So he'll go and hunt. He'll come back. I'll, I'll go outside at night to let the dogs out. And he's just chilling. <laughs> Just hanging out there, and so we named him Tripod, and uh, and I feel like uh, he, he knows I, I'm not going to hurt him because like I, like I'll go out there and just sit down, and he'll just look. At me. <laughs> 
he won't hop away. It's the coolest thing in the world. But um, we've got frogs like all over the house. Like uh, I, I made these little frog houses with like moss and cocoa coir and all of this stuff. And I, it's on uh, uh, suckers. Like I stuck it to the window so that they can like go in there and hang out. But um, yeah, anyways, this is what keeps me busy when I'm off the air. <laughs> Too funny. All right. And then uh, also over here on the Foxhole, let me say thank you to Michelle Ann, uh, who says, so looking forward to tonight's show. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Uh, Filter Dog One says, good evening. And when I found out the swabs were tainted, I refused to get tested. What does he mean by that? They're, they're not. I, and, and a lot. And that's, I'm having this conversation with a lot. Look, I'm on your side. Um, and and it, it, I will tell you right off the bat, they are not tainted. Uh, the fact that, and this is what we were talking about before with the PCR testing, they were thinking that that you were getting false positives to drive the number up. That's not the case. I've had repeatable studies over and over and over with the same population where I can show it's that person who is sick, uh, mix up those samples, test them multiple times over certain days. It, they're not tainted. They did not have virus in them. Uh, that wasn't done to drive the numbers up. If you had it, you had it. Look, it's so funny because we've never tested this many people on mass ever before. And by doing mass testing, we learned a lot. I actually asked the question to my immunologist uh, years ago. I said to him, I wonder how many asymptomatic flus are running around the world every year. And he kind of looked and thought, and he goes, yeah, that's a good point. Because we don't test everyone at flu season to right. see who has it. And I say this to people now. I was on a plane mm-hmm. yesterday coming back from Florida. I was talking to a lady next to me, and I said, look, more than half of this plane right now is fighting off a virus that they just don't know about because yeah. that's what we do as humans. But we're not testing everybody to see if it's there at the most minute level, but you know, before they it waxes or wanes and they're going to develop symptoms, they're not going to develop symptoms. There's plenty of people that I called and nightly that had zero symptoms that would call me two days later and say, dude, I feel like I got hit by a truck because you know, I found the positive and all of a sudden it wound up replicating to the point where it destroys the mitochondria of your cells. But those swabs weren't tainted. I'll tell you right now, we got uh, their nasopharyngeal swabs. I had swabs. I had them in bulk before COVID came out because that's what we used. We just ran out of the medium. Uh, we ran out of swabs on the open market. The, the labs had to validate buckle swabs. Those are the swabs we use for cheeks for um, for uh, DNA testing. They had to validate those by the FDA in order to get approval to use them for COVID testing. That's why I read in my book, when you thought the swabs were a little bit bigger those couple of weeks, that's what they were. They were the cheek swabs going up your nose, and they did look like Q-tips, but yep. they were not tainted. Uh, I, I had just as many <clears throat> negatives. And if you think about the 44,000 tests that I did, I only had over 4,000 positives. Yeah, remember that 4,000 of those tests came back negative. They weren't tainted with COVID. They weren't tainted with something on them. They are uh, sterile swabs. Trust me, I wouldn't be putting them in my patient's nose if I uh, if I suspected anything. We care about our patients. That's why I wrote this book. That's why I was trying to tell everybody in the beginning that this wasn't as serious as you thought. And, um, you know, I wouldn't have any part of that. All right. Good. Good to know. And uh, that's an excellent point that you make there. You know, I mean, I I often thought that the only reason we had so many positives on this stuff is because of the fact that they were testing for it. I mean, they were specifically looking for this. They weren't looking for anything else. And I never bothered to get tested because I know I'm going to get sick like once or twice a year anyways. You know what I mean? I I didn't need to go to the hospital. I wasn't dying. So I, I figured it was okay. I know you want to go to car. Can I tell you how the COVID numbers disappear? Because that might help. Oh, yeah, that's right. You meant to. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, this is kind of important because people don't understand this. But you got to remember, before the the CARES Act existed, you could not get a test. You had a heavy symptom. Remember, no symptoms, no tests. And what I was telling you about those numbers going up, if you looked on a screen and you saw them starting to climb up, 
that wasn't the amount of cases out there. That was the amount of cases we could catch up with. Okay, you got to put it in perspective. We did not have enough testing supplies. I might go through 10 in a week, 20 in a week, but I'm getting 100 calls. Nobody had them. So that number was just a microcosm of what was out there. When the labs validated those buckle swabs and, and made their own medium, and all of a sudden we had thousands of tests available, and the CARES Act came into play. The CARES Act allowed you and me to get anybody can get a test at any time, regardless of symptom. You didn't have to have a symptom. You could show up in my office and I could test you five times in a day and insurance would have to cover it. Mm. So think about that. When you opened up drive-through centers and the CARES Act came into play, the numbers went through the roof because you were testing everybody at one time in the world. And I had said that early on. If you tested everybody in my state in New Jersey in March of 2020, all 8.9 million people, you would have found out that everybody freaking had it. Everybody had it. So the numbers are Millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com.
A human catastrophe is closing in. Nobody knows how far this one is going to go. You can feel the heat as tension is rising globally. War is expensive. Open a Noble Gold Investments IRA today, and you can claim a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin. Just use the promo code GOLD. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com now. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Through the roof. Two things happened after that. The rapid test. When I told you before, you'll need nine copies of a virus on a PCR test, the most minute amount of a virus to tell you it's in your system and bound. A rapid antigen test, you need 10 to the 6th to 10 to the ninth power. So what does that mean? Instead of nine copies on a rapid, you need 9 million to 9 billion. Mm. So when you come back positive on a rapid test, you are definitely positive for something. That's the problem with rapid tests. You can come back for any coronavirus there are seven we test for. So positive tells me jack crap except the fact that you have something. And a negative tells me even less because you need that much more spread of virus. Excuse me for bumping my mic here. No problem. So when the rapid test came out, Nobody is reporting those. Nobody's calling the county and the state saying, hey, I'm home right now and I got a rapid positive. I need to isolate or they'd say quarantine. And what do I do? They don't do that. So the numbers go artificially down. Now you are in a point now when the CARES Act expired, you are back to the point where you need a symptom. And if you remember, 90 percent of my patients never had a symptom, 90% of my positives, okay? So most people don't have symptoms in the first place, but you are back and you cannot come to my office and request a COVID test unless you have a cough, a fever, or shortness of breath, okay? So the numbers go even further down. That's how they made COVID go away. It's simple, testing, CARES Act, wrap it up in a little bow, COVID existed, and now it's gone. Well, the election's next year, so there's still time to bring it back. Um, let me say thank you. Before we take this first call, uh, let me say thank you to a boneless chicken. Thank you for the can. C. Blanche, uh, 07 to you as well. Karen Allen, thanks for that cookie. Filter Dog says, RP78 always does great interviews. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Uh, Blue B, thank you for the can. Casey, thank you for the phone. Ohio Kimmy, thank you for the cookie. And Filter Dog also says, Great Britain got rid of a bunch of tests because they discovered they were tainted. Not making it up. So, uh, I actually think I heard that story as well. But, I mean, you, you were kind of talking in a general sense. It wasn't like every single test was designed to give you a, a positive. Do you remember hearing about uh, the situation in Britain? I don't, but I can tell you I know what we had from our labs. Our labs manufactured yeah. everything. And I work with boutique labs. We don't work with LabCorp Quest. We work with people we trust and we know. And uh, we know they're, they're very well-respected scientists that, that care about my business and their business. Sure. Okay, good, good. Okay, so let's bring in the first caller. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get you to mute the stream in the background? And can I get your name? Hey, it's Casey. Welcome back, Zach. And I Casey. hope your mom's doing well. And uh, to your guest, can I just say, uh, may the Schwartz be with you. And also with you. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, I, I, I think we all agree uh, laughter is the best medicine. And, uh, Amen. And I just can't wait for Mel Brooks to come up with a controversial history of the world part two because uh, it will be funny, but it will hurt feelings. Dude, I have um, been waiting for history of the world part two since I was a, a, a very young child. Wait, my mom. Out. Is it out? It's been out. It, I watched it. I watched it. Was it any like good? It. Was it any no, good? No, it was okay. It's on, what was it on? It was on streaming somewhere. I just oh, thought it was streaming somewhere. Look it up. You'll find it. It's okay. I'll, I'll definitely check it out because History of the World Part 1 was great. I mean, Mel Brooks was hilarious when I was a kid, all those movies. But uh, I can that, that comedy, I don't, just don't think it would translate in the same way today. You know, like uh, uh, Blazing Saddles. Can you imagine Blazing Saddles getting made? <laughs> 
right now? No. Well, how about how about High Anxiety? Oh God, yes, one that's of the good. better underrated film. <laughs> oh, I, I love think that he one. gave it to everybody with mm-hmm. the COVID. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, yes, uh, welcome yeah. back to the program, Casey. So, well, what's your question for Doctor Schwartz? Well, just I got a quick joke for you. Okay. Uh, how can you tell you're at a gay barbecue? <laughs> I don't know. All the hot dogs taste like shit. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Doctor Schwartz, I've always been hearing every side with the COVID thing that came out. You know, alternative media, mainstream media, and I was just trying to figure out where they all connected, where the truth would lie. But you see, the stuff that got suppressed. You were talking about Trump making it political by not wearing the mask. If you really understand the origin of the politicization of it. Uh, a black Michigan representative took the whole hydrochloroquine treatment and she went to the Oval Office to thank Trump and the Democrats actually censored her. Yes. Okay. For doing that. That was the beginning of the political because Trump wasn't going to wear a mask because there weren't supposed to be any. And Biden's been like a puppet with it. You know, I mean, if anything, it's the most unhygienic thing, as you said. It was funny because all during COVID, I had uh, dental surgery on the front. I looked like a hockey player. So I was happy to wear a mask, but I had a zipper in front of it. And I just never closed the zipper. You know, and it's just, <laughs> so, so it was one way of obfuscating the rules yeah. because whether it's, you know, phony uh, vaccination cards with the black uh, underground economy, you know, all that stuff was available. And as I told Zach, the three groups said, we're never going to take the vaccine were the uh, Nation of Islam, the Je- uh, Jehovah Witnesses, and the Amish. So, you know, <laughs> say the vaccine killed everybody, you're left with those three groups of people. And it's like, I don't really want to be run by any of them. I mean, the Jehovah Witnesses could deliver the mail, but other than that, we don't have any type of, uh, you know, uh, integrate infrastructure for the, uh, uh, for the government. Anyhow, I was listening early on, and I heard the... Uh, I think it was a Jewish French study about uh, running the vaccine on tobacco plants, but also the fact that smokers were less likely to get it. I don't know if you did any type of special uh, respiratory receptors in the brain that, you know, as long as you didn't go on, you know, a ventilator, all right, and you smoked and you got COVID, you never went into that cyclone storm that, you know, most people were talking about. Cytokine storm, right. Cytokine storm. So did you hear anything about the uh, the studies with the smoking? Yeah, we, you know, so we talk about it. That's the interesting thing. All practices, all practitioners, we talk all the time, right? We're sharing information. We're doing that because we're trying to figure out, you know, what's next for this thing. What, what, what do we tell our patients? What do we learn for ourselves? Yeah, we, we, we thought in the beginning that smokers didn't seem to, to, to you know, they kind of flaked us off, kind of like kids, and we're worried. Maybe it's the the a little bit of mucus on the lungs. Um, but but everybody handles COVID so differently. You can't look at one person, one microcosm, and say, okay, that's going to explain COVID. That's the the idea with doing mass testing and having nineteen thousand patients. It really kind of puts it in perspective. Um, there were there were a lot of those things, even like uh, um, 
uh, what was it, um, folks that were on albuterol inhalers, inhalers because they're getting steroids already from the inhaler. We're like, well, maybe maybe they're doing better from the the uh, the inhaler. So you know, you see these things in like little microcosms, and they kind of they they kind of paint a little bit of a picture, but not enough to 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 paint a full portrait. Um, but you know, there's there's things out there. I'll, I will tell you this. It's funny when you talk about hydroxychloroquine or even ivermectin. Most of my patients, and I never, I never used ivermectin, but I worked really closely with a doctor who did. His patients would would usually take it and recover within two days. But I'd have a patient who's on vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, and they'd also recover in two days. So a lot of times when you look at things, you're not sure if it was just the placebo effect. Uh, I would never tell a practitioner not to try something uh, because that is the practice of medicine. You try whatever you think is going to work to help that patient. But I think there's a lot of misconception about, you know, who got it, who didn't get it, what worked, what didn't work, because the majority of my patients, all 4,000 positives, got the exact same regimen for three years, and they all usually recovered within a couple days of each other. And then the ones taking something else or if they were a smoker or whatever, they would tout the same thing. Well, I recovered in two days. So did my patients. So I I don't know how much validity it is to all these little stories we all hear. So I I actually was one of the people who took ivermectin and uh, like it was noticeable. Like once I started taking it, that was when I started to recover. But, um, you know, there was actually like a period where I got sick and then it felt like it kind of abated. And then it came back, you know, with a vengeance, you know, to use that phrase again. And uh, and that and then it it was it took that long, took about three or four days before the ivermectin got to me. And then I was able to start taking it. Well, it probably affected the parasites that were living in your body. As I said, parasites are a big part of biology, and they could kill the parasites and help you get over whatever else you have. Uh, But I just thought with the hydrochloroquine, you know, people take it for um, uh, pre-malaria treatments. And when you look at John Cullen's work, you know, geographically, Mm -hmm. whether it was equatorial or was anywhere that malaria was present, you know, and you got to look at all the cases in the Western world. Granted, we do put our old people in nursing homes and, you know, box them up, and they don't necessarily do that in China. But with the, with the China results and the, the mass hysteria, if you will, uh, they were tracing it, not necessarily with PCR, because I was a big benefit of the, uh, the anal swipes, okay? <laughs> but they were tracing it in the, uh, the water in Wuhan, the sewage water, but they were also doing it in New York which was a big outbreak, and they could tell the cases. So I've always been a big fan of, you know, whatever comes out of your ass is going to be a better thing than in your nose because you could have other air pollutants or whatever. But if it's in your system and it comes out of your system, that's a pretty good way to test in the sense that, you know, uh, I don't know how bad it was as opposed to even how I think that the – the nations and the world's blood supply is contaminated and they just don't tell us. So I I, I want you to comment uh, for us, Mike, on the sewage, because I think you said that you were testing. They had you testing sewage. But before you do, Sea to Shining Sea says, I want to ask why they stuck the swabs so far up people's noses when DNA swabs are just the cheeks. And I think you kind of addressed this earlier when you said where the virus resides. But please just briefly tell us again. Your your best samples in a nasopharyngeal cavity and you got people blind. Most of the time, if you get like right inside the nasal cavity, you're going to find, especially if somebody's, you know, if they're caught. In, they're, they're expelling virus, but the best place to test it is in a nasopharyngeal cavity. So if I get somebody who's 
asymptomatic and you're doing a weekly test like on a police officer where everybody's going to work, they all feel fine. That is the best place to get a, a, a proper sample. You're going to you're gonna make their eyes water, and that's when I know I did it right, and they're starting to expel a little bit of fluid, and that's when I'm going to get on that swab. That's what's going off to the lab, and that's what I'm going to find. Okay, so let's talk about the, the sewage because, uh, you know, I think uh, I had never heard of uh, <laughs> sewage waste being tested for anything, you know, besides, I don't know, dysentery or cholera or something like that. But, um, you know, is this is, is this normal? Is this uh, abnormal? Yeah, well, the first I heard of it was when we were doing it during COVID. But uh, you're, you can expel dead virus for up to 90 days. That's why I always tell people you, you don't need to keep retesting. And for those folks watching that think you do, please stop. <laughs> it is. It, I always tell folks, you, you don't go back to the doctor when you have a flu to ask them if you're over the flu. And once you have it, you have it. You can test positive up to 90 days on a PCR test. And yes, as you're expelling dead virus, it's coming out of all orifices. Uh, so they can test that wastewater to find out if there's higher caseloads in a certain area. Also, I think the government doesn't want to deal with any more of a public shit. You know, you bring in a stool sample to have that tested, you know, they're, they're going to say, oh, I don't think we need to test as much as we do now, you know, especially with a, with a, with a swab. But uh, and as, as Zach always knows, I just, if you're done with this topic or whatever, just look into the golden bloods where there's 24 to 48 people in the world that have antigen null blood types. I'm always curious, is it an evolution or is it a devolution symptom that that's such an outlier in the sense that, like I say, with the blood supply itself, you know, we got what third largest uh, killer of people is medical malpractice. What if it's the blood supply? Uh, What if it's, you know, uh, something other than what we've been told by, you know, just the, the mainstream medical media, if you will? In the sense that, you know, if you go in for an elective surgery, anytime you get blood, it, it could be tainted with God knows what that your body hasn't seen. And the reason I never took the uh, the vaccine is just the preparation. I, I heard it had to be kept at a certain degree. And, you know, people in CVS, whatever, somebody's going to screw up. I mean, look at Ted Williams or Walt Disney, you know, the cryogenics. They screw up all the time, and those guys are never coming back. So <laughs> I just look at all right. You so actually, I, I, Mike, Mike yeah. I want to get your thoughts on that. And uh, and then we, after that, we've got to go to the next caller. So thank you, Casey. Go ahead, Mike. He, he just brought up a good point. Uh, you brought up a great point because I was talking to Dr. Jancy Lindsay about this. And she says, yeah, that that's one of the issues that it was muddied down a little bit because some of these things weren't kept at the correct temperature. However, her thought process was that the folks that got the purest of the vaccine uh, actually got it worse because that form of the vaccine, the way she sees it from analyzing it, uh, is in the worst form possible for human consumption. That if it was muddied down a little bit, that patient might actually do better. All right. Well, and uh, Dr. Simone Gold had the, what is it, the antibody dependency. Uh, and that's like, you know, if you didn't have it, but you got the vaccine, all of a sudden you got the real COVID virus, that was a killer. So I just look at, you know, there's so many ways, you know, that the virus, the vaccine didn't need to be used. But, you know, I was uh, pragmatic and, you know, uh, I just I, I, I procrastinated to the point where I wanted to see more information than left. So, you know, I was never going to be in the line that that took it right away, just, to, just not out of fear of needles or anything else other than getting more information, which is what Zach gives us all the time. And uh, I want to wish you guys a great weekend and 
uh, go blue and go lions. All right, brother. Thank you so much. Good to hear from you, Casey. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, okay, so let's see. Uh, Fredo says, I heard some bad things about what was and what it, what was in those swabs. Uh, remember a video back when there was a guy schooled a pharmacy employee in the drive through Any truth to that? <clears throat> so um, yeah, I think this is going back to the, uh, uh, the, the same thing from earlier, and Fredo had dropped this a, a little bit ago. Actually, it was uh, about 20 minutes ago. But, um, you know, one, I think another reason a lot of people uh, were suspicious about what was on the swabs is because there was a, a, an African nation who basically rejected the idea of testing, and they, tested, they swabbed a goat, they swabbed a mango, and they swabbed a chair, and they all came back positive for COVID. I don't know what technology yeah. they were using. I mean, yeah, I can't speak for all these other people in the world sure. that were doing what they were doing. You know, yeah. like I said, I can do the same control group over and over and over and get the exact same results. Right so I, I know what we were using was working, was working very well. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can stick to that all day long. And if you saw, if you saw the data that I have on 44,000 tests, I, I think you'd agree with me. So I, I can't speak for everybody else. Okay. All right. Let's bring in the next caller. And caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Uh, my name is Aaron Moriarty. Aaron, welcome back to the program. How you doing? So if I was doing any better, I'd be you, of course. Absolutely. Red pill. Welcome back. Well, uh, I'd like to, to thank you, uh, Mr. Uh, Dr. Schwartz, for being on the show. Very interesting show. Um, I, I never did get the test, and I, I never wore a mask, and I, I really felt bad for people who were suckered into the mask thing. So I, I worked diligently on my own dime and and developed something that I like to call the Invisimask, using imaginary nanoparticles, and I teleported one to everyone's face, so nobody needs a mask. You've got it covered. You've got state-of-the-art Invisimask, and it's there. There you go. Free That's- for the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, you have to believe in your immune system. I mean, you know, um, I think we're born with everything in us that we need, just like a seed has everything in it for the plant to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't need to get injected. And, you know, I, I you know, I... One of my famous quotes is, pills cause ills, and shots make you shot. So I just think that uh, we're better off without it, and we're safe with our Invisimask. And that's, uh, that's where I've never, I've not gotten sick from any of this stuff. And I just eat a lot of fresh fruits and things like this with a lot of vitamin C. Yeah, pineapple. I mean, nutrition is so vitally important, and I I think that that's often overlooked today. And I, Mike, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the new food pyramid that they're trying trying to push on people. It's like the antithesis of everything that I was taught when I was younger uh, is actually healthy to eat. And uh, you know, I think it's more geared towards. the uh, uh, the convenience food that people eat. I mean, people are eating an, an overabundance of processed things, not all that much fresh stuff. When it is fresh, uh, oftentimes, you know, maybe genetically modified or they've irradiated it so it remains fresh or maybe they've got some brand new special coating. Bill Gates is developing something, I, I understand, or maybe he's already developed something. But yes, uh, nutrition uh, plays a, a big role. And I think that when you're putting crap into your body, you're more likely to end up uh, getting crappy symptoms. All right, Aaron, anything else for the doctor? 
Um, no, uh, but uh, I, I did come across something I would like to talk to you about, something I saw in a recent video and made a connection that's very interesting. So I'll email you about it. Okay, right on. I'll keep my eyes open. All right, well, thank you very All much. Right, Have a great night, brother. We'll hey, see bye. you. Bye-bye. Friend recently developed uh, Bell's palsy, and I'm assuming that's as a uh, side effect from the vax. And uh, please, I I invite her to call in. We've got about another half hour left and uh, only one additional caller on the line. So, Colin, welcome back to the program. How you doing, buddy? Well, I was just trying to eat a little bit of lunch here. Excellent. (laughs) Sorry I haven't called in the last few times. I've been so busy with these cases. Um, It's no problem, man. I'm glad to hear that you're uh, doing that good work. Well, hopefully, uh, it seems like the cases I'm working on are parallel to what's happening to Trump. And uh, it's a spiritual battle. We keep finding that out over and over and over again. You know, there was a gaffe, a quote-unquote gaffe, where Biden had said, uh, what was it? Um, Oh, yes, we have to get the, um, he didn't call it the remedy, he called it the, the, not the vaccine, it's the solution, because with a solution, it, it, it'll, you know, it'll harm everything. It'll make everything worse. We, we've got to do it. And people were making comments that it was a gaffe. And I said, no, 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 that's the power of prayer because we specifically prayed yet again this uh, two years ago we did it. And you can go through the news and see how many of these people were speaking the truth. Here was the prayer. The prayer was allow them to believe they're speaking the lie, but their mouth shall speak the truth. And then for some reason, uh, two weeks ago, we did the same prayer and then, I didn't know if it had any effect or not. I already know it does. It doesn't bother me. But every now and then I get really blessed. And somehow or another, I was doing the, you know, the roly-poly going through the short, the shorts, you know, getting lost in that for a couple, you know, a few minutes or whatnot. And this short came up and there was this gap. And I was like, no, 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 no. He's telling the truth, but he thinks he's telling the lie. Um, <clears throat> also, forgive me for one minute, but I want to do a little house housekeeping here real quick for you, with you, uh, Zach. The last time I called, I was kind of hurried. And I was a little upset, actually, when I had met Gates. And um, I didn't have time to present to him in the full manner. I asked for time. And he was like, well, I got a lot of people coming to me. You know, he was real. He was kind of antsy kind of thing. And I'm not necessarily going back or forth on it. But I will say this, that I believe, number one, I didn't present it. uh, I'm sure I didn't present it properly. It's a very difficult thing. It took, you know, several years to get it. It's almost too simple. And I also understand this is what I've been seeing because I prayed about it, obviously. And the very next day, I saw him on the on the uh, in the Congress just ripping new buttholes and speaking the truth. And I was like, that's why he is not interested. Remember, I played on the words. I'm not interested. And I played on it because it's not supposed to be any I'm when you're in a position of public servitude Mm -hmm. but i think i understand now he's got a mission and his mind needs to stay focused on it they are in the middle of a play sure for somebody to come along even if it's a wonderful idea and a wonderful solution it's not going to help their play and they've got to play this out da 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 da. so i wanted to do that as housekeeping i think yeah i think Um, you're probably right yeah so you know all i'm going to do is bless them i don't want to bad mouth or anything let's just see what happens but i do one way or the other God has a definite purpose for him right now, and I'm going to support that. Um, The other thing was, I just want to ask, uh, the one thing was that I believe it was called the uh, nicotine receptors, and they found out that the people who smoked a lot, that their nicotine receptors were effectively clogged, and therefore they wouldn't receive, what is it, the spike protein that's in the shot. Now, I don't understand all the science of it. My mother actually 
is the one who discovered tetracycline. So I get a little bit of the conceptual stuff, but I'm not, uh, I'm not deep into it, but I have a somewhat of a good mind. For instance, I'll give you my own story was that, um, I went, looked at the CDC web. I already knew. I've been trying to tell people for 10 years this was coming, this pandemic, because for all the reasons. In fact, somebody went and found a comic strip that had everything, including Armacron, 10 feet, mass, and everything, uh, in 1973 comic strip. <laughs> okay. So um, for me, just real quick, I did a little homework. I went on the website, that thing called a computer, Internet, and I went to the CDC website, never been on it before, and I looked up COVID. Well, if we're in the middle of a pandemic, you would think they'd have a column just for COVID, written at COVID-19, right? No column. I said, well, where the hell's the column? So I went searching around, and I finally found it had respiratory and COVID-19. And then over here, it had pneumonia and COVID-19. Well, I said, well, that's kind of strange. So I took the numbers down, and I went back one year. I went back two years. Guess what? The numbers were virtually the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why I used to go in there. I, when, I would, when, it, when it was in the middle of this thing, I figured, well, if I'm going to be uh, – in the limelight because I'm not, I'm refusing to wear a mask and I'm not taking a shot and all this other stuff. So I said, well, I'm well go ahead and broadcast, right? So I'd go into like Home Depot and I'd get into an argument when the guy's trying to force me to wear a mask and I'd say, show me the law, show me the law, show me your authority. You can't show it to me. Um, but anyway, I would yell at the top of my lungs, not top of my lungs, but I'd yell loud enough. A few other people, I said, thank God for COVID-19. All the other diseases and flu have been cured. Woo-hoo. Right? And people look like you're crazy. I said, yeah, go look. They've all been cured. There's, people are dying from car accidents or motorcycle accidents. They're not dying from pneumonia. They're not dying. Because the whole thing was a fraud, in my opinion. So I'm going to ask this one question. That's the setup. Have you ever seen an isolated actual COVID or COVID-19 virus? Yes. Because if you have, then that means that the two or three cases that I've been helping other people on, we're screwed. Because in those, we asked for samples. We actually called the CDC. The CDC, we don't have any samples. I said, well, how could you have a vaccine for something that you don't even have samples for? So maybe I'm wrong, but share with me what you know about that or think you know. All right. COVID is very real. Um, and, and there's another you know, there's another conversation we could all have at some point about where it came from. Was it, was it intentional? Did it, did it get released from a lab and, and, and the government exploited it, which is what I think. Um, I think that they, they took this situation. It's, it's, it's Saul Linsky's rules for radicals on steroids. It's never let a crisis go to waste. And I think that's exactly what we saw here. Uh, there are a lot of different pathogens that come out that you never hear of because uh, we're in the middle of a political season. But yes, COVID, you can isolate SARS-CoV-2. There's a specific signal for that. Uh, yes, there wasn't a lot of flu cases uh, the year of um, that COVID came out. I write about that in the book. Do talk about that. We did we did discuss that, but the flu was back the next year along with COVID. Uh, and there's, there's, I write, I hypothesize in the book as to why we didn't have such a big flu season that year. And it, I think it had a lot to do with kids being out of school. Um, and that's usually where you see it incubate. But, uh, yeah, COVID is very real and, um, it's not as deadly as everybody led you to believe. And do you need a shot for it? No. And do you need to wear a mask for it? No. I agree with you not going into the store with a mask. I think if, if everybody stood up and said no, uh, we could have gotten over this a little bit quicker, but we had a critical mass in this country go along with the narrative for the sake of exploiting something that uh, that drove uh, a lot of people insane, and it drove an election at the end of the day as well. So um, 
there's a lot of science to break down here. I would encourage you to read the book. By the way, you know, I'm getting a lot of censorship on this book alone. Um, when I post this, I did an interview in Britain two weeks ago, and uh, it's a big British outlet. They put it, they put it up, and YouTube. I, I know, I know, Zach, you're familiar with this. YouTube t- pulled it down the same day. Uh, the the amount of censorship this book alone gets uh, is incredible. How they're trying to suppress this information, but you'd learn a lot by picking it up. It really breaks it down, and, and it goes through all the different categories, so that it really puts this in perspective so you can look back and say, okay, I, I got most of it. Because from what I understand, they've got documentation where Fauci had to add the AIDS, something something about in their in their research when they were researching AIDS and experimenting on African people, which is why so many Africans said, oh, not again. Um, but there was something, I don't remember exactly what it was, but they used something from the AIDS virus that they used to somehow uh, cause the spike protein so it would survive um, and actually be able to do what it was supposed to do. Um, um, I don't know. Like I say, I don't know all the details, but I seem to remember that they had to add this. They had to add the other thing. And also there was one little tiny little thing. I don't know, maybe you or Zach can affirm or not, but I think it's an interesting thing. Everyone's looking where I don't care where it come from. Um, But when I looked at the map, I said, no, because, you know, I used to do flying and stuff. I was like, no, it's it popped up in areas all over this country, all over the world. That it, if you even by airplanes, like, for instance, one of the towns I property in Oklahoma, you know, it's a two hour, three hour drive from the airport. And nobody ever nobody's ever been out of the town except for maybe mm-hmm. one or two people. How can you have little tiny places way out in the middle of nowhere all popping up at the same time? Uh-uh. They, it was done. It, it was definitely done on purpose. Um, you know, I, I was in the military, I had secret security, so I see things from the other side. You know, I know how they think, um, you know, and they don't care about the people. But there's just so many things. What was it Trump kept calling it? The China. China. Well, somebody found out that there is a, a place in Ukraine called China, but they spell it differently, <laughs> um, which bad. I thought was really fascinating. Right. Yeah. But then it's kind of like uh, the last time I forget what it was, but they track because there's some kind of identifier that the last time there was a some kind of an emergency or whatnot, pandemic allegedly, that got shut down because they were able to trace it right back to Bethesda. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we all, I mean, I, I live in the D.C. area, and and most of the people, it's 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 a, what they call it, a well-known secret that all of this stuff comes from our country, our government, who are our agents so that means that we're technically the principals which means we are legally responsible for everything our agents do so i want to put a little bit of weight on it how important it is for the people to get active and realize that this is your government these are your agents and if you don't like it then you need to alter it or abolish the government itself or make sure that you institute something like mandatory competency testing to be sure that these idiots are competent to serve the position that they hold and so, of course, that's a plug for mandatory competency testing. I, I, I don't think we need testing for that. We can just tell by watching them. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, Colin, listen, bud, I want to take the next caller because we lost somebody. The, but thank you so much for being here. And thank you for the call. Blessings. And, and give me a call sometimes. I got some info. You hopefully, um, you know, 
We'll see what we want to do with it. Blah, blah. All right, man. Looking forward to it. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. God bless. Uh, Let me say, Freight Awakening says, off topic, but I just want everyone to know I'm coming out as heterosexual. (laughs) I feel free to praise me uh, and my courage. Feeling stunning and brave right now. Great show, Zach. Thank you, Fredo. And uh, for the caller who hung up, please uh, jump back on the line because we can get you in here in the next couple of minutes. Caller, make sure you mute your stream. And can I get your name? Uh, I go by Papa DB1. My name is Danny. Danny, welcome to the program. Thank you for your call. Go ahead. What's your question for Dr. Mike? Well, um, first off, I really appreciate this show. I kind of came in late. Um, On the legal side of the whole thing, are the people that have been adversely affected, you know, homes lost, jobs lost, especially loved ones lost, are they going to have any kind of, uh, um, I don't know, leg to stand on when all this comes out? So, Mike, uh, you know, we were we I mentioned earlier the the fact that the vaccine manufacturers basically have uh, zero liability. But is it a different circumstance when it turns out that the manufacturers were hiding just how dangerous this stuff was? I mean, obviously, if Pfizer was hiding the fact that we had mass deaths in the uh, initial trials, I mean, that seems like uh, kind of should change the game. There is a um, vaccine victims compensation fund from what I'm, I'm hearing from uh, Deb Conrad. So I'll be writing a little bit more about that in the second book as well. I'm still researching a lot of this after vaccine stuff. You know, I spent so much time doing the testing and treatment so that I could get that information. Now, that is still important for you to understand. Um, but I would, you know, there's another thing you could do. You could hold your doctor accountable. Uh, I read about that in the book. There was a lot of doctors who were recommending these things that had no experience with COVID whatsoever. I read about a cardiologist who I talked to who was recommending vaccines, and we had a a frank discussion, and I said, why? You have no experience with these things at all. I I, I don't do cardiology. My office is primary care. My people are limited in what they can do. And, you know, if you had a doctor recommending these things, fire your doctor. You know, voice your concern to your doctor. Um, They were were touting the CDC guideline. There's a lot you can do um, with the exception of, you know, suing somebody now uh, for these people. But if you had family members pass away or get sick from these vaccines, I think you need to hold the doctor accountable. I think you need to hold the CDC accountable. And you need to hold your elected officials accountable. Uh, you, you have a voice at the voting box. And well, I, I know some would differ from the 2020 election with the mail-in ballots, but you need to call your congressman. You need to call your senator. You need to voice your opinion. You need to vote. Uh, we need to do that in mass because we know which side was, was touting these narratives and causing all these issues. But we refuse to sit here and have frank discussions and talk about it. And the media is not going to help. Um, so there's a lot you can do in the, in the meantime, but let's let's hope there is some compensation down the road for these victims. You know, I had a, I just moved to Texas about a year ago, so I had to change doctors. And my um, GP asked me about getting the COVID vaccine, <laughs> and I said, hell no. And he said, well, I'm glad to hear that because one of his uh, colleagues who wanted my doctor to get the vaccine open up the, you know, the box, paperwork, whatever goes with it, and said no results on this page. It was it was a blank sheet right. of paper. Yeah. 
And my doctor said, I'm really glad you don't want to get this. We have to ask. But I'm glad you don't want to get it. So I am, you know, I'm not vaxxed. I'm not going to get vaxxed. I'm not going to wear a mask. Um, I just hope that people that have gone through this, lost loved ones, that sort of thing, have some kind of, uh, uh, I don't want to say retribution, but, you know, some kind of satisfaction in their, in their lives, you know, going through all this crap. Um, and I want to end this by saying that, you know, I've been asked to be tested a lot. I've had one anal swab. And that was when I got divorced about 25 years ago. I will never go through that again. <laughs> Wrecked him. Damn near killed him. <laughs> you damn right. Oh, God. All right. Well, Danny, thank you so much for the call. Thanks for the laugh. I appreciate you, brother. Uh, you bet. All right. Thanks. You guys have a great weekend, great night. Go Trump. Absolutely. Trump 2020, 2024. Here we go. All right. Thank you, brother. Have a great night. God bless. All right. Uh, Coyote Patriot also says, said, I almost got fired from my job over this shit. Uh, and, uh, good to hear that you didn't get fired. So, um, Loretta, you are next on the line. Sit tight because I had a question that I wanted to ask, uh, Dr. Mike about. Um, I'm sure you've heard that, uh, well, this, this is something that I think a lot of people, uh, have paid attention to considering the fact that we are going into another election season. It would just be, you know, the, the, the topping, the icing on the cake if they bring back some type of pandemic to try to freak everybody out, keep everybody home, continue on with universal mail-in ballots. And they just recently removed the most popular decongestant from the shelves of every store, every pharmacy, uh, the main ingredient in like Sudafed and Allegra. And uh, this is like the only thing you could get commercially over the counter for years. Um, I know it's uh, an ingredient in the production of crystal methamphetamine. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. But do you have any insight on this? And does it seem like coincidental timing? There, There's a little bit to unpack here, too. You know, if and I was... Uh, it's funny. I was doing about, I don't know, five or six of these a week until about two weeks ago. And all of a sudden, the call stopped coming because no one's talking about COVID anymore. <laughs> Everybody's talking about Israel. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot going on out there, but uh, there we get very distracted easily in this country and we forget what's going on here and then yep. we don't pay attention. The FDA just removed a bunch of peptides, too. We do a lot of peptide oh, therapy God. in our office. Yeah, I'm a fan. Is- yeah, it's wellness, you know, and, yep. and that that I heard wasn't due to safety issues. It was more big pharma. At least yep. that's what I'm being told because they don't like what we're doing. They they want to go to traditional traditional medicine. So I, I know there's a lot of weird stuff going on. I will tell you that you should look out for any kind of resurgence of the CARES Act. That's where I was telling you where the numbers can start to spike because once they start letting everybody test. And by the way, we're having a COVID surge right now. Just nobody hears about it because it's it hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, they're still coming in. I'm still seeing patients who are sick and we test them if they're sick. And of course, if they're sick, you know, we might get a COVID result back. We might get something else, but I can't test all the asymptomatics. If they start touting that narrative going into the election, watch out because that's when the lockdowns are going to start happening or at least the mail-in ballots. Um, no, I see. I, I don't know about this, you know, the removal. Of, what is it? The Sudafed or um, uh, the, the 
Sudafed, Mucinex, Allegra, and Dayquil. They say that they fail to outperform placebos, but, I mean, these are products that have been commercially available for, I mean, many, many years. Uh, I find, I just think it's kind of interesting that suddenly it's no longer performing in the way that they expected it to. So did somebody get a payoff uh, at some time in the past to allow it to be released? They made all the money they needed to, Uh, you know, and specifically with regard to peptides, you know, I mean, that's particularly concerning because I think peptides are, uh, you know, they're wonderful. I mean, they, they do great things for a lot of different people. Uh, they're quite often uh, uh, things that you would have naturally in your body, and that really is the problem right there is because they can't be patented. And so, yes, you're right, Big Pharma wants to get them off because they want you to take drugs that have been patented and that they, they've already put all the money and the research into. So, um, yeah, so I, let me ask you, are, are you guys... How are you getting around that? Because, I mean, obviously you can still get peptides from, you know, black market sources. They're all over the Internet. But if you go through a compounding pharmacy or a clinic that specializes in it, you know you're getting the highest quality. I, I, I'm so good. Dude, I, I, I've been wanting to do a show on biohacking. So like, uh, I'm glad you, you said that you guys know about it. Well, I mean, it's something we do. We do. We've been doing it for years. I mean, yeah. we're primary care integrated medicine. Then we do, you know, we do med spa too. We do Botox, Juvederm, all that fun stuff. But for three years straight, we just did COVID. So it's kind of like, it's like, you know, it's like starting a business over. But peptides are great. We use Ipamorlin. We use Samorlin. I hear they banned Ipamorlin, but we use Samorlin. So it's like, I don't know, even with the uh, weight loss drugs, they're, they're telling me that they can't manufacture semaglutide mm-hmm. after the shortage is over, but they're going to keep terazipatide on the market. They're both GLP-1 agonists. They're both peptides. I don't understand why one versus the the other yet um but these are all brand new to us this came out last week and we're still trying to figure out how we're going to continue to stay in business doing what we're doing uh with these new recommendations and these new guidelines wow okay let's bring loretta in and uh let me also say thank you to uh p quest oh wait hold on hold on there's a couple here that uh seem to have slid back um uh PJ Carr, thank you. I said that. Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Net folks, thanks for the can. Filter Dog One, uh, a strange disease that you must be tested for to know you are sick. Yes, it certainly is. Uh, PQuest, thanks for the cookie. Sean Joe says, Zach, ask about Pfizer not giving the vax they did trials on coming out of the UK. We'll talk about that after we get Loretta's question. Well, Loretta is actually still connecting her audio, so let me continue with these thank yous. Porpoiseful, thank you for the cookie. Nakaz 808, good to see you, buddy. Drop some shades. And then Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie as well. Okay, Loretta, you're on the air. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for calling. What's your question for uh, for Mike? Um, I didn't get to hear the whole conversation because I've been on hold. Um, but my girlfriend put me up to this. And she said because I had symptoms after the COVID vaccination yes. that I should call in and talk to you. Okay. Yes. Yes. Well, you know that is a topic of conversation tonight. Uh, were was it you that developed Bell's palsy? I did, and that's recent. I'm actually still recovering, but my first issue was that I had gotten the uh, two vaccines and then the booster, mm-hmm. and then got the worst uh, herpes outbreak that I have ever had in my life. Yep. Uh, which was the cold sore version, mm-hmm. and. But it was it was huge and horrible. And then I started losing my hair mm-hmm. and yes. I had went to my physician and she did tell me that it is related to the covid vaccine. Oh, it definitely is. And, yeah. yeah and- so for the last last two years, I've been taking vitamin D3 and um, uh, uh, can't think of what I was taking. Um, 
another vitamin to help biotin and to make my hair grow, which it has helped in a little bit. And then now I've did, just I have developed Bell's palsy out of the blue yep. after another herpes outbreak, cold sore slash. And well, I've never. Yeah, it's horrible. So I, I know that uh, Bell's palsy is uh, kind of in the same family as uh, herpes, which is kind of in the same family as shingles, in the same family as uh, chickenpox. But, uh, you know, doc- Dr. Mike is a research scientist, so he's not a medical doctor, but he does have some information about this stuff. W- what would you say to Loretta? And I'm so sorry you're going through this, Loretta. Well, yeah, Loretta, I, I feel for you. I'm going to quick question. Did, did that doctor report that case to VAERS? I have no idea. Okay. Then, then they, my guess is going to be no, because they were going to have they'd have to pull all the vaccine records, figure out what day you had it, what lot number it was, and you know, we were talking about this earlier, Zach and I, that not, not enough of these are getting reported because it's too hard to do for most practitioners. Uh, yeah, what we saw in the beginning too, it's funny. I shouldn't say it's funny, but within the first couple of weeks of the vaccines, I had one clinic calling me saying, oh, my Lord, we're seeing an abundance of shingles. All of a sudden, it was coming out of nowhere, and it was people at 32 years old. And it was one case after another. And we talk about these things, and these vaccines can cause these responses where you have these uh, these viruses that are dormant all of a sudden start to come out, shingles, herpes. So that is that is quite normal as far as the hair loss is concerned. We do see that along with COVID and the shots as well. Uh, we have a product in our office called Cosmetics. It is, uh, it is an orthomolecular product. It, it works really, really well. It's a pill, but it works really, really well for, um, for hair loss, uh, along with, um, what do we use, Kelly? It's, um, no, uh, well, we have PRP, but, uh, the, no, 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 no. Cosmetics is kind of like a neutrophil. And then there's a, a collagen powder that you can, you can take along with that for, for the hair loss. And but I have been, I, I have been taking collagen peptides. Good. That should help a little bit. Uh, sometimes it depends on the formulation. Make sure you get it from a reputable company. If you want, you can call our office. I'm happy to hook you up with what we have. We have some great products from Orthomolecular. You can only get those through a doctor's office. They seem to work really well for some of our other patients. But those are quite normal things. And I hate to say this. If you were a patient of mine, I would have never recommended that 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 shot in the first place. Uh, now that it's there, uh, you know, stop getting boosters. I think that's obvious at this point. Um, and, and we don't know. We are too short into this. We don't know the long-term effects. We don't know if some of those, even those long COVID things, like Zach and I were talking earlier, you probably missed about the um, the lack of smell and taste that that you know he had for about a year. Uh, we don't know how long some of these things are going to last and if they're going to continue to keep coming out. But I think it shows that those spike pre- spike proteins from the shots don't just stay in the arm; that they do travel around the system and they are with you for quite a while. Um, so, you know, stay vigilant, uh, you know, keep, I'm, I'm glad your doctor at least agrees with you on this and hopes you uh, come up with some solutions, but I would definitely encourage her to try to report that case to VAERS, not that it'll make that much of a difference, but, um, it'll help a little bit. Yeah, it's just really weird. And I've always been extremely healthy and I don't get the flu or anything else. And this really sucks. <laughs> it certainly does. So Loretta, I would ask, <clears throat> Did your doctor warn you about any potential adverse effects before giving you the first, the second, and the third dose? Well, no, she wasn't the one who actually gave me the dose. I actually went to uh, the Coliseum, where, which is a mass vaccination center, okay. because I work for a school district, and I thought it was a good idea to get vaccinated because I'm around hundreds of kids and i didn't want it and i'm still being exposed to this day but so you know i ran and not walked to go get the vaccine and uh, i'm actually kind of sorry i did 
Well, you know, I, that's a familiar story. I mean, Mike, w- would you like to explain to her uh, just, you know, maybe a little bit more on your opinion on this? I would love this? to, but I missed that because my oh. nurse was trying to tell me to tell to tell Loretta that she should take L-lysine, L-lysine for herpes breakouts yes. daily. Yes. So I missed the last part of the question. Could you reiterate that, Zach? Um, yeah, well, I mean, she was just uh, talking about her uh, uh, exposure rate and how she was, uh, you know, happy to get the vi- the vaccine. But I mean, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, the effectiveness for something like this. I mean, you were mentioning, uh, you know, uh, how how the, the, the treatment plan for this was very different from things in the past and maybe didn't necessarily make sense scientifically, even though people were being told to trust the science. Well, I mean, that's the scary part. And, and these doctors were just kind of towing a CDC narrative. You know, that, that's their excuse. If they, ha- if they didn't have experience with COVID treatments, patients, testing, uh, they were looking to the CDC. They were looking to the narrative to see what was being told to them because that's, that's all they had to go on. When their best answer should have been to you, Loretta, and everybody else was, I don't know. That should have been their answer. I don't know. I don't have experience. And I tell all these patients, you should always ask the question based on what, when you're getting these recommendations from folks, that is the most important question you could ask based on what, if they don't have any personal experience with this thing, move on, find somebody else. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of anomalies we're seeing. What, what you're saying uh, is happening to you is kind of in the norm. That is the norm that we see from these vaccine um, uh, anomalies. But I shouldn't say they're anomalies. They're, they're norms at this point. Uh, but they're very, very different for everybody based on what, um, what that susceptibility is in that patient. So, uh, Loretta, I mean, just from my experience, I mean, uh, I, it, if you weren't listening earlier, I, I've interviewed a lot of people who have um, developed serious adverse effects from um, a variety of these uh, vaccines. And, um, you know, I mean, I think it's it's also important to mention that based upon the technology, it's not technically a vaccine, although that's what it's called. And, you know, I mean, even guilty of using that term myself because Florida, we're in Tampa, Florida, and we're in uh, Seagirt, New Jersey. But we, we do a lot of stuff, telehealth as well. We do a lot of weight loss telehealth. We're at, it's called My Wellness Express. You can find us at MyWellnessExpress.com. I'm happy to chat with anybody. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's an interesting time to be in medicine. COVID quite changed the world. And I want to just touch on something you said a second ago, Zach, but that vaccine, they changed the definition of the word vaccine. I'm sure you're well aware of this. They in the did. last couple of months. Yeah. I write about that in the book as well. It is it is it is blatantly inappropriate. And I don't know how old you are, Loretta, but it is blatantly in, inappropriate to tell somebody in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, use the word vaccine when someone who's 80 years old is thinking you know, hep B, 10 years, or polio, lifetime immunity. To use that word for something that we did and rolled out, uh, they could have called it a shot, just like a flu shot, and explained that. And I think that was blatantly irresponsible of the CDC, the government, and the media touted that narrative and fooled a lot of people. They say you can fool some of the people some of the time, but not all the people all the time. And those of us who were trying to tell you we knew better, uh, we unfortunately couldn't get that message out in time. So, Loretta, I feel for you. Uh, you should be you should be just as upset with your government and the CDC and the news media for not letting us tell you what we saw early on. Yeah, Loretta, this was yeah, something I, that I I was talking about, you know, back in, uh, you know, early 2020. I, I, I used to be on YouTube. I got deleted from YouTube with like 300,000 followers and uh, talking about this stuff specifically. So there was a concerted effort to make sure that people like you who were, you know, trying to do the right thing uh, and, uh, and and weren't getting the information that you needed, that you never would get it. 
Yeah, and uh, I thought it would protect me for a longer period of time than than what they what has actually occurred. And I still work at the school district, and I'm around 800 kids who are still getting COVID at this time, and also the uh, personnel that work there. And it's really terrible because I'm not taking another vaccine. And fortunately, I work outside and not in a classroom, but it is very tedious. Loretta, if you if you were a patient in my office, and this is what, this is what really pisses me off, because before the vaccines came out, and we discussed this amongst our staff, my immunologists, we talked about this, Every day, we told our patients before the vaccines came out that this is you're going to need more than one of these a year. It, you can still catch COVID. You can still transmit COVID. That's kind of the point of this. This would have came out a lot earlier if I had time. We knew this stuff early on, and guys like Zach were out here in the public trying to disseminate this information. And nobody, you, you talk about YouTube and the censorship that we get every single day. It's incredible. And, and there's a lot of cognitive distortion that nobody will admit this. Those vaccines give you 120 day antibody response. That's the average. That's the average. After that, which after those four months, you are just as susceptible to getting it as anybody else. Will you get less sick when you have the vaccine? No. The answer is absolutely not. Can it make you worse? Yes. That's what we've been talking about on this show. Because when you when you get uh, as sick as you've been with all these little issues that you're having, if you get run down enough where you catch COVID again, you could theoretically be worse when you catch it. So stay away from these shots. I want to see you get better over time. And, and, and who knows? Look, we do stuff in the office like NAD infusions with glutathione pushes. There's a lot of stuff on the market that's that's natural uh, peptides that we just talked about uh, that'll help your body. Uh, there, there's things you can try. And of course, we have to fight that fight with the FDA now. They're kicking them off the market. But, um, you know, all hope is not lost. Just keep vigilant, you know, work out, eat right, uh, take your vitamins, you know, try to get as healthy as you can. And let's push through this. But stay away from those shots. Yeah, absolutely. You know, really, what's really sad, Loretta, is that the entire medical establishment completely neglected to mention the 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 phenomenon of natural immunity or, you know, uh, acquired immunity from having exposure to this. You know, I mean, throughout my life, I've been sick many times. Uh, I've never gotten a flu shot. I didn't take any of these COVID shots, and uh, you know I'm I'm a lot healthier than uh, many people uh, who are a similar age and, and around me who who have taken these things. So my heart goes out to you. I would uh, uh, suggest that you go check out my channel and go take a look at all of the various programs I've done. I've got over 1,200 shows on a variety of subjects. You can find me on Rumble. My name is uh, well, the channel's name is Red Pill 78. Um, but uh, you're always welcome to call back. We every uh, Friday and Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern we do an interview call in like this all right well thank you very much thank you have a great night and i uh, hope, hope uh, everything works out we'll talk to you soon um okay we've got one caller left we're going to take that um there was uh uh hold on a boneless chicken over here on uh pilled had said um okay so there was a study done in italy the La Quinta Columna report, and this is regarding venoms that were found in everyone diagnosed with COVID, and it was done in Italy. Not sure how they were exposed, but there is a lot of sauce on synthetic venoms that were sampled in vaccine doses. 
Uh, and yes, this, I mean, this kind of gets at what we had, uh, uh, hinted at before with Dr. Artis. I definitely, I would suggest you go ahead and take a look, um, because the work that, uh, Dr. Artis had done certainly suggested that, you know, I mean, if, if what we're talking about here is something that was manufactured in a lab, uh, you know, who's to say that they didn't use, uh, novel, uh, compounds that were found in venoms? I mean, you know, I mean, it's uh, obviously something they've done for modern medicine and, uh, it would be so easy to make it uh, a lot more deadly if they uh, uh, injected people with that stuff. But definitely go ahead and check that out. And then uh, Freight Awakening said, uh, testing my alternate ego. Very good show. Five stars. will recommend. Thank you so much, Fredo. And let's bring in our final caller of the night. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name? Fray and boys. Hey, what's up, Fray and the boys? Uh, welcome. You are here at the end of the show. What is your question for Mike? Mike. I, you know, I... I am so angry at what they have done to us with these vaccines and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not vaxxed, nor is my wife, but I have to deal with people that are all the fucking time. Excuse my French. Sure, no problem. Uh, I wanted to know, what about the shedding? And what that means to me, if I'm around these people in confined spaces... The, the, the sh- when you know, when I talked about shedding of dead virus earlier, well, you know, I've I've heard things about okay, the people have gotten the shots and stuff like that. They they they've compiled all this shedding material, and you know, they, it makes the virus in their blood, and then it sheds to people that are not vaccinated, and we get sick. So you know, should I be worried about that? I mean, what's the truth behind all that? And just just to build on that, Mike, Fredo also said, I worry about the shedding. Are kids going to get messed up with teachers that shed on the students, the students that shed on the parents? Can you can you make the right choice and still get screwed? F artist. <laughs> OK. All right. So, right. yes. Yeah. But uh, but yes. Go, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'll, I will talk to my microbiologist about this. I, I don't think there's going to be any validity to it, but I don't, I don't want to make that assumption and give you an answer that I haven't had enough time to research on. So uh, that's kind of my rule. If I know something about it, I'm emphatic about it. If I'm, if I'm not sure, I'm just going to tell you, I, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't really wouldn't worry about somebody shedding uh, it from a vaccine. You know, you, you think about all these things like get hep B vaccines, MMR shingles vaccines, you know, I haven't had that discussion ever i don't think in my life um but you can shed dead virus but when you're shedding dead virus you're you're not you're not causing somebody to uh you wouldn't be contagious um so well, I don't if the vaccine causes causes autoimmune deficiency aids basically you know um, there's got to be some kind of cross-contamination going on there that's what worries me i'll talk to and my I, I wanted to know i wanted yeah. to know what your thoughts were with any kind of iodine treatment we don't we don't use any iodine treatments we had a ba- very basic protocol for covid uh and, and 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 the shots a little different with covid it was uh, uh vitamins c d zinc and electrolytes uh, most people if they got fatigued or went to the hospital it was because their electrolyte imbalance was off uh and when it comes to the shot issues that we see the only thing that i've used in my office that seems to work uh, is is NAD therapy? That's NAD infusions, and we'll usually use some glutathione with that, and that can get the inflammation down, or it can kind of restart, or at least replenish the mitochondria of the cells that have been destroyed. But I don't get a long term benefit with those 
uh, they seem to be very short lived. So I think these issues that we're having from the vaccines that we're seeing are. Does are ibuprofen? Does ibuprofen help or hurt? Ibuprofen with the uh, inflammation. It, it, it's fine. We thought we thought initially that ibuprofen actually flared COVID up. So we did we did recommend people stay away from that. Then we found out that it was fine. Uh, ibuprofen is fine for inflammation, but just like any other thing, I wouldn't continue to take ibuprofen um, uh, too much of it because it, it could do some damage to your stomach, and to your liver too. Are you familiar liver. with CBS chlorine dioxide solution? He he wasn't, uh, but but we talked about it uh, a little bit earlier in the show. <clears throat> All right. So I'm a, I'm a veteran. I have to go to the VA all the time, right, for my medical treatments. And uh, I've been scared off of that. Every time I, I, I get involved with the VA, they, they, their protocols just reek of, of you know, indoctrinating you into getting a vaccine and this and that. Do you know anything about the numbers when it comes to veterans and the current military? When, when it comes to their shots and, you know, what's going on there? No, but, I, you know, it, look, I, every practitioner is an individual, um, so they're all going to have their own individual thoughts. Of course, that the narrative that gets pushed is usually from the, you know, the government or the CDC, but uh, talk to your practitioner as an individual, see what they say. Uh, you get a lot of folks that well, are Traditionally, the, the VA just pushes drugs. I, I, the VA has prescribed me over seven different drugs to take that have all... They've all ended up coming back and said, hey, uh, we're going to take you off of this because it, it turns out that it causes cancer. Are you on seven different drugs at the same time? At the, at the time, I'm on nothing now. I don't trust anything the VA says anymore. Have you, and uh, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. How do you, how do you weigh out whether a doctor's on the up and up or on the up, you know, otherwise. But I think, I think, look, I think some practitioners, most practitioners have started to come around now. It took them long enough. It took them the three years that we already knew all this nonsense. Uh, I think they're starting to come around because the majority of the population is not full. I wanted to ask you a question. If you're on, if you were on all those drugs, have you ever had what's called a pharmacogenetic test recommended to you? But I don't recall, to be uh, honest. You were on that many meds and a doctor never offered you one of those. I'd fire your doctor based on that. That's a, a DNA test that's been out for well, 20 years. They had years. me on blood pressure medicine. They had me on uh, uh, antidepressants. They had me on anxiety medicines. And, uh, you know, we went back and forth, back and forth, and I got all these side effects. Yeah. And... Uh, First thing Finally, we I said, that's it. I give up. I'm not taking anything. Well, and I believe that was the best decision I ever made. I've been taking CDS now, and a lot of my symptoms have gone away. But I, I, I do notice that I have a lot of skin problems going on. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily... Uh, I know when I quit taking CDS, when I slow down on my CDS, my warts on my hand take off and things like that. And I can't help but to think that a lot of the stuff that they, they had me on, you know, at one time the military had me on uh, um, Accutane. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, yes. 
If you're going to be on any medications, when I hear a patient that talks to me about all these ailments, the first thing that we would do is called a pharmacogenetic test. That's a cheek swab's DNA goes off to the lab, and I get a 35-page report back within two weeks that tells me what medications you can and can't take for the rest you of your know, life. You know what, though? What what part of me wants to give the the VA any more of my DNA or any more power you're missing, over me? You're missing the no, point. You're, we're you're, we're you're, also you're, paranoid now. You're you're missing the point, and I don't. And, and I'm not talking about the VA. I'm talking about any practitioner worth their weight in, in, in that that their degree is printed on would do that for you because uh, I want to make sure you're on the right medication that's not causing you side effects. We do those for patients who are on seven meds because a lot of times you're on medication seven to offset the side effects of medication two. Yeah. And if a practitioner doesn't know about it, doesn't do it. Uh, I think they should be fired, and you should find somebody who does, so that you don't have to go through all this rigmarole and and get to the point where you're having this conversation and you start to be paranoid about what uh, you can and can't take. We just want to see you healthy at the end of the day. I, we're we're not about pushing drugs. My office does a lot of homeopathic, natural stuff. We were just talking about peptides for the longest time, uh, but at the end of the day, it, it's going to come down to the individual practitioners. I can't speak for them or the VA. Uh, I know that if the if a doctor's pushing these shots after what we know now. Uh, you should probably you'd have enough sense to say no and fire them uh, right off the bat and, and, and hold these people accountable. We got to do it with not just the, the doctors, but the government. We've been talking about this the whole time. We got to wake up, folks. We got to hold these folks accountable. Uh, they didn't do this the right way. We know a lot more now than they well, do. How do we hold them accountable? Well, that's that's hopefully what we're doing right now. Listen, Freya, we we got to bounce because Muffin <laughs> is going crazy. Okay, I, have, I, I, gotta... I had a couple more questions about ivermectin. What, what do you think about ivermectin, doctor? I think, and I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a research doctor, but I've had doctors use it. I think they have the right to use it. It's an anti, uh, it's an anti-parasitic drug. It should, it, it, in theory, you think it would work, but I will tell you that the patients that I've seen get it uh, have the same recovery time than the patients that don't get it when they use a regimen of vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and electrolytes. So, do it? Does it work? I don't know. I think there might be some placebo effect well, to it. I'm, 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 I'm taking all the vitamins right now. Good stuff. And all I right, also well, wanted, wanted, wanted to learn about uh, what you thought about that, that, that dog dewormer that they're talking about. Oh, fenbendazole. Fen yeah, yeah, in, in uh, curing cancer. Don't, don't have enough information on that one. All right, Freya. That- well, look into it, please. I'll send him all the information I have on it because I've done quite a bit of research on it. All right, Frey and the boys, thank you very much for your call, brother. Also, doctor, look into iodine. Iodine, yes. Okay. I've I've done some research in the iodine, and I've I've started using it, and uh, I've noticed some changes, Uh, uh, hair growth and uh, some other things happening with my skin. It's been uh, pretty effective for me. All right. I look forward to keep on looking at it. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Peace. All right. <clears throat> Final thank you of the night. Nikaz808 says, isn't mono, monoclonal antibodies the same as antivenom? No. 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 Okay. But well, let me get some clarification on that for the next show, too. Okay. My, all right. All right. We'll do that. All right. You guys, thank you so much for being here with us tonight. Mike, at the end of the show, I always like to ask my guest, what would you most want the audience to take away from our conversation tonight? Uh, you know, there's a, still a lot to learn. We're not speaking the same language. I know we're, we're kind of beyond like the, the who, what, where, when, why, and how, but we really shouldn't be at this point because COVID is still out there. The treatments, all these recommendations, I think people need to learn the basics 
get it under control so they can speak intelligently on this stuff. And, and you know, we'll do our best to decipher the uh, the vaccine nonsense moving forward here. All right. Good stuff. Uh, I will look forward to having you back on the show. You're welcome anytime. And uh, don't go anywhere. And we'll talk on the other side of this. So to everybody else at home, good luck. God bless. I'll see you Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern for another episode of Red Pill News Live. Until that time, we'll see you.
When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat, and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.